it's I almost don't even know how to start the oh show because we're wow. live and uh, I didn't even expect that. Um, it's pretty cool. I want to say hello to everybody who's watching, whoever that is. Uh, if you're catching this after the fact, hello to you, too. Uh, we're just doing things live now um, in the wise words of Bill O'Reilly. Fucking. Oh, O'Reilly's. <laughs> All right, listen, we can get banned on Twitch for that. You got to be careful. Can't say for, fuck yeah, on Twitch. Yeah. No, no, O'Reilly Auto Parts might come in DMCA. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's a jingle. Probably, That's a song. Probably off key. <laughs> Ooh, those algorithms are, are smart. Those, uh, those piracy bots, come on. <laughs> you know what, guys? I, I feel good this morning. I have like I have a good energy about me. I like I feel like I want to smile and stuff. And it's because this week brought me a news item that reminds me of something that I didn't even realize, which Sean, is that. You, yeah. Would you say it's one of those gifts that are still under your tree that came uh, finally this week? Funny story about that. Not telling it. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> It's that sometimes this industry that we love to comment on can give you a gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. And in this case, that would happen to be Morbius the movie. I love the fact that Morbius was delayed. It's funny. It's hilarious. Morbius was delayed yet again. Mm. Again. How could this be possible? Morbius was delayed to April 1st, 2022 from January 28th, 2022. That sounds like a troll. April 1st, really? Yeah. First of all, yeah. The I th I the last one I saw was February. It was delayed till February. Uh no, I, I no, you're right. It is April 1st. I, I yeah. remember reading that. But like okay, them wow. choosing that specific date is like hmm. It's a meme. Has to be. Hmm, come on. It's unbelievable. It it really is. Like you're gonna put out a movie starring Jared Leto called Morbius that has been delayed an unbelievable amount of times. I can't wait to tell you guys how many times this movie has been delayed. But who the hell is looking for this movie? Right Who's here, looking really? for this movie? <laughs> Jared like, Leto is see if he can get that money from it. <laughs> what money? Yeah. yeah. What if money? If it's anything like Venom, this is going to sell out. I, I feel like it's going to be more like a New Mutants where <laughs> it eventually oh, comes out. Speaking of New Mutants, I have a question for you guys. And okay. it's not random. Okay. Oh so this is this is this is targeted. Which yes, <laughs> okay. which movie was delayed more times? New Mutants <laughs> or Morbius? Let's do no, it. What I'm gonna say, Morbius. I feel like when New Mutants was delayed, it was delayed in bigger chunks. But Morbius has been delayed time after time. Is what I'm what I'm remembering. I'm gonna say New Mutants. I'm also going to say New Mutants. Okay. It's definitely Morbius. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Mo yes. Morbius has been delayed more times than New Mutants. Morbius was originally scheduled to release July 10th, 2020. Wow. It got bumped to July 31st, 2020. 
Then it got bumped almost a whole year to March 19th, 2021. Then it got bumped again to October 8th, 2021. Then January 21, 2022. Then January 28, 2022. And now April 1st. That's seven release dates. Well, eight, because April 1st is obviously not happening. That ain't happening. No. <laughs> not with that Omarion variant running amok. You know, who knows? The what? Omarion? Yeah. Yes, of course. Uh, if that's a reference, I don't get it. <laughs> no, that's 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 a thing. That's what that's what they're calling this variant. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. Oh, type, type, go go on Google. Yeah, use the Google go machine Google. and type in Omarion variant. Yeah, just search Omarion specifically. Yeah, you don't even Cal. need to type yeah. in variants. Yeah. Type in Omarion. Yeah. This is not an obvious cultural difference between uh, the the four of us. That American is being evident. Sing- yeah. I got American singer, songwriter, actor, and dancer. Yeah. Marco, you ruined it now. You ruined the bit. Wait, you don't know who? <laughs> do you know who Omarion is? No. Oh my god. So okay, so it is a reference, and we don't get it. It's no, but it's not. He's a singer. He's he's been around forever. It's like. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, I, I forget who I'm dealing with sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I know Omarion. He's got those dance moves that are like, are they good? <laughs> mid. They're mid. Yeah, they're mid. Um, what Much else like is mid? Morbius. Um, Morbius is mid, and I haven't seen any of it. Uh, it just looks bad. The reason it was delayed is so Sony <laughs> that. I'm, I'm like, I'm genuinely shocked. The reason they say it was delayed is because they don't want to rain on Spider-Man's parade. Okay, so you think <laughs> that Morbius Coming is going to a month later, come out a month later and ruin what Spider-Man No Way Home has going on. That's what you think. People are flocking. That's what you think with Omarion just dancing through everybody, just cutting through their bodies. You think Morbius is going to be the thing that does it? I'm just picturing a little uh, COVID uh, virus uh, ball just doing Omarion dance moves. Yeah, that, that it, this is unreal. I like I love Sony. Sony has been one of the light of my the lights of my life when it comes to memes for years between the Sony hacks I love that they got that. That's one of my favorite things of all time. And this, it's just, it's just amazing. Like, thank you, Sony, for being so foolish that you, you make this podcast better. Thank you. That's all I wanted to do. Shout outs to you, Sony. Appreciate you. Respect. Put respect on the name. Yes. Absolutely. Until the next delay. You should put respect on the name of Omarion. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, Kale and Marco. What's wrong with you? Bro, send me an album. I've never heard of this dude. Uh, for real. You never heard Icebox? I have one. You've heard Icebox. Where your heart used to be. Right, Kale? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, eventually you have to throw it away. It gets burned. Come on, man. Never heard of Omarion. Listen, anyway, welcome to the show. This is episode 270. I noticed. This is episode 272 (laughs) of the Comics Pals. We appreciate you guys joining us. We are actually currently live. No one knows that. We didn't promote it. Uh, we're just it's testing. We're testing. You know, testing, seeing how things work. It won't change anything for anybody who's listening after the fact. You will still get this in your feed. It's likely how you're hearing it. Um, and yeah, we're just, you know, 
having a little bit of fun, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. It's a new year, new pals. Uh, we have a lot of things we want to get into this week. We're going to be talking about the major rumors behind the Flashpoint film. Um, big exclusive deal made over on Image Comics uh, and a huge block of X-Men news that's going to resolve with a question, which is also not random. Uh, was the great Jonathan Hickman X-Men experiment a success? So lots to talk about this week. Uh, I do want to make mention of a few things. So first of all, if you want to support the show, uh, you can make the pals a part of your week, which so many of you have done already, um, which we're super thankful for. I want to make sure that you guys are aware of everything we have going on, both new and old. First thing I want to talk about is that I want you to subscribe. Go over on youtube.com slash the comics pals and subscribe to our channel. We are on the road to 500 subscribers. We need like 20 more, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't, head on over there and do that. While you're thinking about us, go to podcast hosting platforms, subscribe to us. You can do that. Uh, follow us, rather. You can do that on Spotify as well. You can leave us a rating over there. Do that wherever you listen to this podcast. Go over to twitch.tv slash the comics pals. If you're not live with us here now, um, head on over and just follow. It's free to do. Uh, we need a certain amount of followers to get to affiliate over there. So just head on over there and do that. Uh, it doesn't really change anything for you. If the live thing is not your bag for whatever reason, just never watch us live. Just head on over there. Do us a favor. Click that uh, follow button. Uh, also, Pals Pulls has changed. Pals Pulls is a segment we've had on this show almost since the beginning. It has grown up. Uh, it is now its own show that will drop every single Wednesday. We took our review show, we reworked it a little bit, and we now call it Pals Pulls. The actual Pals Pulls segment that you guys know and love is over there as well. So if you want our thoughts about books that are releasing next week, you got to watch Pals Pulls to find out what we're interested in. Also, if you write comments into the show that are about our weekly reviews, if your comments refer to stuff we talked about on the weekly reviews, we will now read them over there. So the comments section for this show will be based on comments that get made about stuff that uh, happens anywhere other than our review show. Yeah, if, also, if you're in the... I just want to say, if you're in the live chat, you can also comment on that. Yes. Right now, it's just Matt, so I won't be reading those. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you guys do want to watch us live, uh, we can have some little interaction while we uh, while we record. So Yeah, absolutely. Never before, really, have you guys been able to interact with us while we do a show. We've streamed before games and things like that, but obviously that's a little different. You guys can be a part of the show live, uh, which is super cool, I think. Palace Pulse does go live every single Wednesday at 6 so tune in for that uh, if you were unaware and come hang out with us. We review comics. You can get your voices heard about books that we are reviewing. You don't have to wait a week to get us to get them read on the air. So figure that's pretty cool for you guys. Also, want to talk about our book club. The first book club of this month is Saga or rather of this year is Saga. We're finally doing Saga. We're doing the entire first chunks so that's the first 54 issues 55 yep. 54 um 
So we'll be nine doing that. Volumes. Yeah. That's right. Nine um, volumes. One compendium. Yes. We're going to do that all in one shot for you guys. Hopefully it is not our longest book club yet, but it might be. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, and you know what? On a subject of book clubs, we have so, so many that have released. Go ahead and check that out. Tons of book clubs that you might enjoy. And stay tuned for more announcements about how the book club is going to evolve, too. On the book club, we also, uh, if you join our Discord, we have an event tab at the very top of the server. We're going to be posting all of the schedules for the book club. So you'll know when they pop up, they'll be alerted on the Discord. And if you have questions, you'll know in advance and you can let us know in uh, any talking points. Yes, absolutely. Uh, So that's it. Lots of plugs, I know, but uh, things are changing around here. And hopefully for the better, we want you guys to be a part of all of that. So um yeah let's let's do a little more show huh sure i want to start with something new we're gonna play a game oh Oh, yeah we're gonna play a game this is a game that uh i think people have been playing since the dawn of man but uh we're new to it stick what the stick and hoop what's that He's a little uh, berries and cream boy with a little hoop, and he's got the stick, and he's roll. You know, he's yeah, bringing down the hill. Hilarious! I have no idea what you're talking about right now. Are we on the you same? Don't know. Are we the same person? Because that's where my brain went too. <laughs> so the same way I can think of like Omarion, and that's like the Puerto Rican side of my brain. But then the the white part comes out to think about stick and hoop. That must oh, be it. Omarion yeah. was nationally known. <clears throat> Sure. Sure. He was. There's no question. He's he on the coast. He's on the coast. He's a coast coastal he's, guy. He's nationally known right now. We don't need to keep talking oh, about well, Mario. <laughs> you brought it up again. <laughs> I was trying to talk about stick and hoop. I'm I don't know what get, that is, I'm and I don't want to talk about it. Than you. Sean, is the game more like a Game Boy? Because I can play that. I can. No, no. It's called Two Truths and a Lie. Oh, that's and... all those games you play when you're drunk. Yes, and right, it's very started. simple. It's not going to be about us personally because we can't even get into it with Marco. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's, we're live here. You uh, better be careful uh, now. Yeah, the, the 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 two truths and lie will be based purely on comics. Okay. Uh, two of these things, of course, will be true facts that are you know just things that have really happened. One of them is totally fabricated by me. Um, And to what degree, you don't know. Uh, This instance of true truths and a lie is all Marvel based in the future. We'll do different things, but this is just where I went. Um, And I got to tell you, in research for this, I learned a lot. Mm. I learned a lot. Marvel's an interesting place. All right, here we go. The first one is Chris Claremont originally intended to make Cyclops and Storm a couple. Way back in the 80s, when death still mattered in comics, Jean Grey died during one of Marvel's biggest events ever, the Dark Phoenix Saga. After her death, Madeline Pryor is introduced. She looks exactly like Jean. They get married, and Cyclops leaves the X-Men. The two live happily ever after. The end, right? Well, uh, (laughs) that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> that that didn't go well, but uh, Claremont originally wanted to put Storm and Cyclops together. Uh, he appeared on the Explain the X-Men podcast 
And he talked about how he wanted to put them together, but Marvel felt that it was scummy for him to move on. Uh, and by him, I mean Cyclops to another person so soon. Um, and that it would be just disruptive. So they nixed the plan. Um, notably, when Cyclops came back to the X-Men uh, a little while later, Storm is the leader and he fights her for the leadership. A lot of you guys will remember that from the X-Men uh, animated series, but that really happened. Not in that same way, but the, the general idea. Um, and when I say that really happened, I mean the Storm and Cyclops fight. So that's that. Uh, the next one is uh, Kazar is actually the oldest Marvel character who continues to be one. Uh, yeah. Who is the oldest Marvel character? None other than Kazar. Most people would probably say Captain America, but as it turns out, Kazar predates him by five years. Uh, he actually predates not only Captain America, but characters like the Human Torch and Namor. Um, and he didn't have the greatest run. His initial series lasted for 27 issues, but he appeared first in 1936, making him a young and comfy 92 years old. So when you see Kazar running around in the Savage Land shirtless with a six pack with his um, tiger companion, recognize that that is a 92 year old man he's probably, out, that, Charles he's probably got that old man smell <laughs> no that's the tiger oh yeah. yeah i can't imagine that's a good smelling smelling dude Mm-mm. all right and last up <laughs> the punisher becomes black in the early 90s marvel sent the punisher to prison while he was there he gets horrifically disfigured by Jigsaw, who, of course, was just also in the same prison because that would happen. Um, <laughs> and he's convinced to let a surgeon who's really just a doctor turned drug addict who was also in the same prison, uh, who's been doing experiments with melanin. No, uh, he lets this surgeon uh, repair his disfigured face. And when Punisher wakes up from the surgery, he is completely fixed up like new. The only difference is that his entire body is black and not black, like black, black, like black. <laughs> what year did you say this was in the 90s? 90s. Yeah. So uh, James, the comics writer in the, in the Twitch chat, he's like, when was this? We don't know if this is true. So two, uh, two of the three things are true that Sean just mentioned, and one of them's a lie. And we're going to have to figure that out now. So, yeah. So the, the first one, right, with Storm, mm-hmm. the. I'm going to just say this right now. I'm yeah. not going to answer any questions at all. No, all right, but okay. I just want to clarify the, the, the question itself is whether or not the intention was for, for Cyclops and uh, Storm to be a couple. That's the oh, question. so you don't even you don't even know you, any of the, any amount of that can be a lot to you. <laughs> oh wait, is it like the whole thing has to be either true or false? The initial statement. So yeah, it's, the, it's, the, was the Cyclops supposed to be with Storm? Okay. Was Punisher going to be turned black, or is Kazar the turned oldest, black? Or was he turned black? Okay. Oh, so this is not like a okay. So this happened, it, quote unquote. Exactly. And is Kazar the oldest uh, character? 
Hmm. I love that, especially in the first scenario. I love that Marvel was like, it's far too soon for Scott Summers to lose his second white redheaded wife too soon for him to move on to a, a black woman. He can't listen. We're already too that. soon. Couldn't handle that. He's still grieving. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll say that the first one mm-hmm. is true. Yeah. Okay. I think it's true. Kazar, I think is the lie. Same. Okay. And um, Punisher is, outlandish and so i think that has to be true <laughs> all in right ni- yeah in the 90s absolutely yeah true lie true for me as well okay and kale said true lie true yep all right how about you tyler can't hear you buddy i say i'm, I'm the same uh i know that um punisher's 90s history was a little a little funny <laughs> a I think he was an angel. He was a, an angel at one point. So, really, that's yeah. actually kind of cool. It's been, he's been a Frankenstein's monster. He's been a, an angel, and hopefully, he's been black. <laughs> James, do you want to? You said false. Which one were you saying is false? There, and anybody in the chat, do you guys want to add your thoughts before I actually answer? Yo, I think that's... I think James was saying false to the the Punisher stuff. So. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I'll leave a small space. Marco, you were going to say something. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think it's buck wild that uh, any of those could be true. <laughs> the the Storm Cyclops thing seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for I, something yeah. Claremont would have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then exactly. you mentioned like the uh, 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 ex- explaining the X-Men podcast. I'm like, that's too specific at that point. <laughs> true, lie, like- true, true lie. Okay, cool. All right. I feel like there was also some really good tension uh between a lot of characters in the claremont x-men era yes so like you could say just about anything in it there's probably some intention there dude i i read that and i was like wait we're not getting this like (laughs) hello uh are you guys ready for me to expose the lie Do do it all right here we go uh so as it turns out you were all wrong Oh, you were all a wrong. lie, right? Every single one of you was wrong. Uh, the lie is Cyclops and Storm. Oh, damn it. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. You got real specific with that one, too. Mm-hmm. Good job, uh, Sean. That, thank you. That got me. Thank you. Because everything, yeah. everything leading up to it, Phoenix, uh, Pryor, and then, ah, oh, damn, okay. It yeah. felt like you were reading an article, too. Yeah. Like, I was trying to metagame this, you know? I figured you guys might, yeah. so I metagamed you. Okay. Card game player to the to the death. Um, Yeah. So uh, the Claremont thing is just completely made up. I just took (laughs) the the reality of it and extended that. Uh, Kazar really is the oldest uh, Marvel character in that way. And what was Kazar's first issue? Black. Do you have Um, Kazar's first issue? Was it like what was it called? The book or I mean, because if Marvel Comics number one was Human Torch. Yeah, so he had um, a book. He was he had a book that came out in '96, and that Marvel number one, I believe, was or not '96, '36, yeah. and I think uh, Marvel number one was '39. Wow, interesting. Okay, yeah. So this is before even before they were uh, they were still timely comics at that point, or Ooh, this might be uh, predating I timely comics. Believe then. I believe they were. 
I believe well, they that were. time they jumped to a whole bunch of fucking different names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They might it's have still been a magazine imprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We'll do that again. If you did, let us know in the comments if that was fun for you. And where what if you're listening to this uh after the fact, what did you think? that the answers were because just be honest because i'm really curious to see how many of you were stumped and again if it was fun for you we'll do it again uh james the comics writer says he's a tarzan knockoff that somehow has survived tarzan being irrelevant yeah that's true i don't know man that disney tarzan um with that phil collins soundtrack nice good stuff that's still like a yearly watch for me even though he swings using his butt cheeks at one point so oh that's yeah <laughs> well how was you swing tyler I may. <laughs> Let's Using not talk about that. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I'm not talking about swinging on this podcast. Okay. Let's uh, let's go to the next thing. Well, do the jungle. Do the jungle. Anyway, let's let's move things along and let's get into the news. Uh, let's talk about DC. We haven't talked about DC in the new year, so uh, let's let's talk about DC. And of course, anytime we talk about DC on this podcast, you, you never know whether we're going to be just completely dunking on them or not. And this is a time where, frankly, we're probably going to be dunking on them. So strap in. New rumors suggest that Flashpoint is going to almost completely dismantle everything that Zack Snyder introduced into uh, the DCEU. They're going to usher in a new era of the films. Now, we've heard this before to some degree, but we have these rumors anyway are much more specific than anything we've ever heard before. So the rumor is that the Flashpoint film uh, is going to erase um, Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman from continuity. They're going to become not canon or just swept away somehow and will be replaced by essentially Batgirl, um, Leslie Grace, and Supergirl being played by Sasha Kelly. Um, and that, those characters, along with The Flash and Shazam, will be the basis of a new Justice League. Is this wow. going to be the, the Supergirl in the movie? In the Flash yes. movie? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Hmm. That's major. So, uh, damn, that's pretty buck wild. Um, it's a shame. I would really thought the rumor was going to be Zack Snyder somehow destroyed the universe anyway. I think most people would say he did that already. Mm-hmm. No, you're getting the Zack Snyder uh, fanboys into the chat now. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fan. I like yeah. the Snyder Cut Justice League. We especially, know this. Especially the black and white version. That was good. I didn't see it. Did you watch it? Uh, yeah, uh, I only made it halfway, but it was it was cool. Wait, is that a truth or a lie? I don't know. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah, yeah. I, 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 re- I rewatched it because I wanted to see it in black and white, all RT and shit, and it was pretty uh-huh. cool. Oh yeah, oh, nothing I want to see more than a Justice League uh, movie in black and white. That's exactly what I want. What should be the most colorful? Uh, sort of property out there. Uh, I want that washed out in black and white. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, what do you guys? Obviously, it's just a rumor. You have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, We don't know the validity of this. I will say that the scoopers who are reporting this have been right several times in the past. 
Um, that doesn't mean that they're right now. But taking this at face value, if this is true, how do you guys feel about that? Just cutting do, Batman and Superman out of the equation. Man. Do we do we know the there's no source, right? It's just like source. Trust me, bro. Right. Like that's all the sources. No, um, it's, you know, people from Twitter. Uh, we have, um, you know, uh, my time to shine. Hello. Um, yeah, yeah. And then several others. But you can't. It's tough to take. You know, because these people are on, they, who knows who they are, right? Yeah. But they, it's like they, my uncle they, who they works at Nintendo. Right. Yeah. Which we yeah, all exactly. have one. Well, yeah. yours too? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like the removing Affleck as Batman, if they're introducing, um, uh, what's Pattinson. his face? Pattinson. I think that's a clean break. I think we have that sort of a, as a precedent coming into the movie. Um, so I don't know that I have as much of an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Henry Cavill, I think, has been doing a really good job as Superman. So I'd be sad to see him go. Um, but my concern was the fact that they're leading with Batgirl uh, and The Flash. The Flash, notably a character that everyone's kind of like lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. And then from a production standpoint, Batgirl has uh, her HBO show, which became a movie. And it's like also lukewarm it doesn't feel like they have a lot of confidence on this and so if this right. is a reboot this is the softest fucking reboot that they could possibly imagine because <laughs> it's not not ideal i also don't see how you don't reboot with your other two big properties aquaman and wonder woman yeah 100 percent. like if this is true i mean throw them into the mix you know um i think you got a decent justice league lineup there you know like they've, i've i've seen uh photos of Gal Gadot in in the Wonder Woman makeup chair um, Hmm. recently. So I I do think she's in the film. I don't think that this rumor suggests that they won't be a part of it. Just that that nucleus, what I described, is like the baseline of the league. Is this the one that also like re like retcons the entire Wonder Woman kind of uh, happening? I think that's what part of this uh, this rumor is. It's I've like Steve Trevor rumor. never actually went to Themyscira or something like that. And so I don't, I don't know. It's a buck wild rumor. It's like a yeah. little it's like it's so um, in depth and, and detailed where I'm like, uh, it's a little sus. But. <laughs> it, it's also pretty, it's also pretty weak that you're replacing Batman with Batgirl and Superman with Supergirl, like no offense to those characters, but it's not your top tier. Um, and so if you're gonna, you wanna lead with a Justice League movie uh, at, at any point in the next few years, you know, are they leading, are they are they draws? I, I feel like it's, again, lukewarm. Same Batgirl doesn't draw dimes? I mean, uh, here's the thing too. Like, I I, I'm, I'm excited for how messy this this is gonna get if this is true. <laughs> um, like, like I'm not drinking tea right now, but like the idea that they're gonna be the 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 the, the Trinity now. That's what DC calls it, right? Is yeah. gonna be Shazam, which I think people think is fun, but like not like a Superman level character. Um, and then two um, POC uh, women characters. In in Batgirl and um, Supergirl, who I believe is uh, South American, I, I believe um, this actress is. Kryptonian. So she's not a blonde white person. Um, oh yeah, she's Kryptonian. Yeah, it's right next to Chile, I believe. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be messy, uh, which I'm, I'm I'm excited for. I'm ready. Yeah, you know what? Um, I'm not happy about this. Uh, it's I think it's funny. I, I like <laughs> yeah yeah. It's goofy. Like there's no way this makes sense. So like Batman and Superman are characters that really I don't think you can ruin right. Batman has been through the ringer on uh, film. Those Schumacher Man films. Of, Man of Steel. <laughs> Man of no. If if Schumacher, I and I was talking about Batman, but if okay. if the Schumacher Batman movies didn't make Batman untouchable in Hollywood, I'm not sure that anything can, just because of the the massive popularity of the character. And when it comes to Superman, people may not have liked Man of Steel, but the fact of the matter is that people are desperate for a good Superman movie. And one thing people do like is Henry Cavill, yep. especially yeah. now. There's no way you go away from him in my mind. No way. At that's all. that's the thing about this news that does sort of bum me out is that if they're going away from Superman, are they going away from Henry Cavill? And man, I would love for him to have like a real good shot. Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. just like one more good chance. Yeah. Uh, James in the comments on Twitch says, uh, Ben Affleck is done. Cavill likes playing Geralt. Why not? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't think that, they can rely on Ben Affleck anymore. Obviously, he's you know depressed Ben everywhere he goes. He talks about how bummed I mean, out he is. I think this is good for his health, honestly. The way he's been talking, yeah, his mental yeah. health was ruined by Batman, which is no surprise. But um, I don't think that you pivot away from Batman entirely. We have a Batman movie coming out. Uh, I think you just get another actor or let Michael Keaton, which is I, I think this is a, not a good idea, but let Michael Keaton just be the Batman of the DCEU for a little while and then have him be replaced by someone down the road, uh, whether he trains his replacement and it can be like an Ed McGinnis or Terry McGinnis type of thing or just do the flashpoint and let that bring in a new Batman somehow. Yeah. I don't know. But to me, you're writing yourself into a corner by doing this. I really believe that because you, you can't you can't long term have a universe without Batman or Superman. That will not the, work. But like this is such a DCEU thing, writing themselves into a corner. Yes. Like, come on, guys. It's simple. Just uh, I don't know. I don't know. They had a template from from Marvel, not not to like Marvel movies have their issues, but in terms of marketability and, and building a universe, it, they are the standard, really. Yeah. Um, and like it's right. It was right there, guys. Like, yeah, I don't know. The DC has to get their house in order big time. The the weird thing is that like Flash is coming out after uh, Pattinson's Batman. Like you have a precedent there to then introduce him because people will have seen the the movie. You can gauge hype from that. And if you manage to slip um, him into the Flash movie, you have yourself a new Batman. I like that seems the most logical and easiest way to get rid of Affleck and slip in Pattinson as the new leader. Like that's that doesn't feel hard. I would be very surprised if Pattinson signs on for a, a Justice League movie. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, th same. I think part of the part of the draw for him and uh, Matt Reeves was that this was disconnected. And they have yeah. been consistent in saying that this would not cross over with anything. This is why for the last, I don't know, three years, I have been saying there is no way that it makes sense for DC to make these 
crazy offshoot movies because this is what happens. Now they're in a situation where there are currently three different Batman. None of them connect. One of them is leaving. One of them won't ever appear in a Justice League movie. And one of them is 97 years old. So how do you solve that problem? Like, I don't I just don't get it. Uh, Paul's in the chat says Cavill needs another shot of playing Superman, which which I think we agree on. I, I, I don't think Henry Cavill was the issue with the Cavill Superman not um, appearances. Not at all. Yeah. I think he was kind of one of the shining points of it. Thanks, by the way, for joining us, Paul. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. I don't think we're going to hear anything about this for a while. So I just wanted to get it out there, talk about it, and then we'll probably know more when DC feels like we should know more. <laughs> This was one of the prediction uh, questions, right? Like, will DC announce a Justice League movie? So Mm. I said, no. Oops. Let's let's see. We'll see. Well, well, they would they would have to say. Justice League movie, it's not enough for the end of Flashpoint to be, hey, we should start a league. That's not enough. (laughs) Agreed. Okay. cool. Uh, Weird that they're not like there's a power vacuum right now in um, the in the Justice League. Uh, I don't know why they're not bringing up my boy Swamp Thing to you know fill the gap. I feel like if you need top tier character, he had a TV show. This is the place to put him. Marco, TV show that was canceled, Marco. <laughs> we're we're live right now, and so you know I don't want to like just put you on blast, but we can't bring up Swamp Thing out. when I'm trying to move the show along. Just so you can show off your shit T-shirt. Sean, read the shirt. Is not the way. <laughs> some respect on the board. Reading that shirt. Get the hell. What out is of it here. with dudes and Swamp Thing, Marco? Let me tell you. (laughs) All right, uh, Sean, next topic. Next topic. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of movies, uh, we have a new movie announcement, or rather, uh, not a movie announcement, a series announcement. Scott Pilgrim is coming to Netflix. Let's go. Anime, believe it or not. Um, We actually just did a book club, by the way, on on, uh, Scott Pilgrim. So head on over and check that out if you are interested in the character or in this news. But uh, Brian Lee O'Malley is actually going to be who created this, created the uh, book, is going to be writing and producing the show um, with the Grabinskis or or with Ben Grabinski. um, Sure. was the showrunner on Are You Afraid of the Dark, the the revival? They brought it back. Um, mm, okay. They're also going to be bringing back Scott Pilgrim versus the world to theaters uh, to celebrate its 10th anniversary. I know they put out the oh, video game. 10? They, yeah, pretty nuts. Wow. Um, yeah. They, they re-released the video game uh, and they last did some year. cool stuff with that last year. So, um, yeah. This is uh, this is cool. Actually, it was. Yeah, I, you said last year, Marco, and I'm thinking you mean 2020. And then I'm like, wait, no, that was 2021. <laughs> but that me. was last year. Let um, me talk to you about the passage of time, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I I read the Scott Pilgrim uh, books one and two. We did that for the book club. I enjoyed it. But but Scott Pilgrim in 2022 or three or four, whatever. Yikes! I don't know. I mean, I think. I, oh, I was gonna I, say like, you know, go go ahead, you go, Cal. I I feel like this will be similar to the uh, the premise of the film, which will be Scott Pilgrim against the Evil X. Is it? It probably won't be the evolution of Scott Pilgrim as a person. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like there was so much that you didn't get in the movie 
that you get in the books, like there's, uh, was it three, four, I feel like even parts of five, you just completely skip over or gloss over. And I feel like this is a prime way to kind of get that story. You can update it because I think mm. they're da- definitely dated references, but um, you update that, you get a, a pretty clean narrative that can last you a couple seasons. That makes sense I mean, to me. Or yeah. two for Netflix. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Max. <laughs> One, maybe even. I don't know. I think it's great that we get to, you know, showcase the, you know, a peak and sell nice guy to a new generation of fans. So that's what I'm excited for. Yeah. Um, I think uh, so. Can this get over? I think, yeah, I think Scott Pilgrim got over in on film and I don't think that there's any better place for this story and, and, you know, the way that Brian Lee O'Malley uh, told it visually, I don't think there's a better place for it than Netflix or rather than an anime. Um, and Netflix obviously has put money and time into animes and things like this before. So I think it's a perfect marriage, honestly. And, and I think the series format probably benefits Scott Pilgrim far better than film in my opinion, just because of the nature of that story. I think it was, I I didn't see the movie fully, but I would imagine, and you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong, that it felt condensed compared to what the story can be. Uh, Even if you cut out the like weird, you know, knives chow portion of it. They don't. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They they definitely, it's definitely truncated, but it, it it sort of takes away some of the you know uh, like like we said in in the book club some of the the character growth that Scott goes through right but yeah. it also doesn't set him up quite as much as a douchebag at the same time he's just kind of there he's right. a slacker like more so than anything else he's Michael Sarah just I mean <laughs> well, all you need to know really also speaking instantly of unlikable. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so speaking of, I, I would be curious to see if they can get some of the uh, live action actors to to voice the anime characters. That I mean, was Netflix. Cool. You know, I don't know what most of them are doing. Besides, I feel like a third of them are in Wes Anderson movies. But um, actually, Chris Evans is a little busy. Maybe they probably won't get him. But yeah, yeah. Brandon, uh, what's his name? Brandon Ruth. Brandon Ruth. He's busy at the CW. So, so he's not busy. Yeah, 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 they're about to get sold yeah, off. Let's be real. Yeah, have you heard about this? The CW yeah. hasn't has, hasn't been profitable since two thousand six. Incredible. Big shock. Incredible. <laughs> Pikachu face shock. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say on the Scott Pogan piece, um, I, I'd be very excited. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, but Sean, they've been doing a lot in terms of investing in anime mm-hmm. uh, on Netflix with their own. Um, they, you know, they'll send out producers to, uh, adapt really popular ones. And I think that it's been pretty successful. So, uh, I, you know, full, full faith in, in that live action, that's something else, but like, give me an anime a hundred percent. I think it's uh, consumable and really good. Yeah. Let's leave it there. Um, you know, we'll see it when it comes out. Uh, I think this is cool. Let's talk about the first union in comics huh yeah yeah so we have talked about um the first uh, union in 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 american comics i can't speak to outside of that but uh we have followed the story 
of uh, Comic Book Workers United, uh, who basically is just a union that consists of um, image creators, uh, not creators, I'm sorry, image staffers. Hmm. They have become an official union. Uh, remember that this was like a huge to do where image kind of said they weren't, they wouldn't just acknowledge the union. There would need to be a vote. The vote uh, went, the vote happened and it looks like it was seven two, uh, resulting in the union um, coming into existence. Mm -hmm. So that's great news. Uh, Last time we talked about this, we ran through the list of everything that they wanted to make sure that they got out of it, what they wanted to get for comic book staffers and, and down the road, hopefully creators. It's a long list. Um, but, you know, while we didn't agree with absolutely everything that was on it necessarily, for the most part, as a baseline, it's a great place to start. You're talking about things like, um, uh, you know, better pay um, and sort of transparency about what people get paid notoriously in the industry talking about wages is taboo still. And that's really odd. Um, and, you know, different creators get paid different things and there's hush hush about it. It's almost like uh, not a game, but like a, a comp- competition. How little can we pay these creators and still get them to work? Um, unfortunately, um, well, it would be for the staffers in this in this case. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just yeah, mean yeah. like that that's, well, in general, that's yeah. it's what capitalism has taught uh, companies to do. Yeah. Because um, if you let the workers know how much they're getting paid and they realize they're getting paid significantly less uh, then Oh, no, I might actually have to pay people more. Oh, no. And and to that, I think also just to, to clarify, this also provides them with more negotiating power less so outright, um, you know, this is how much we're getting paid, but you know, that's still dependent on whatever contract they come out with. And, uh, th- this is the first step towards that. Well, in, in their, in their, uh, in their, you know, their, their article or whatever, um, they specifically call out, um, you know, they want to create a more competitive industry through salary. So they, you know, they definitely want more bread. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and things like that, uh, making sure that whenever there's a space that opens up for a job that's above, you know, the, the, the pay grade or the current status of the workers, that people who currently are staffed by image have the first shot at those job titles, um, ways to address lack of diversity, you know, just all kinds of things like that, uh, that we generally agree are positive things for the industry as a whole and for image. So I don't have much to say other than kudos to them. Hopefully this does become something that sweeps the industry and we can see more of this and, you know, staffers getting, this is great. I really hope we can see something for at least the creators who are employed by Marvel, DC, Image, Bulwark. Oh that gets a little tricky I know. Uh, to get into the I, bigger, I, bigger companies there. I, I mean, know it does. Yeah. Specifically for this image thing, I think right before they, you know, pass that vote, um, uh, I think it's at uh, Slevish or uh, Sasha Ehead on Twitter uh, tweeted that uh, apparently Jim Valentino, one of the the what, what do they call themselves? Founders, image founders, yeah, founders. Yeah, um, uh, uh, specifically removed the unionizing members of the Image Comics staff from the Shadowline book Hellcop office credits. Yep. Um, so 
I mean, technically they weren't a union at that point, so I don't know if that's considered retaliatory. Um, but uh, great, great, great start. It might not be legally, but yeah, that's know. not the 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 bosses quaking in their boots already and already getting getting pissed off. Uh, it's probably a sign you're doing something right, in my opinion. But <laughs> one um, one concern that I have is um, this is great that this is being um, put forth. But I wonder, as other companies follow suit, whether or not, from a budgetary perspective, they can sort of handle it. Um, usually, smaller companies struggle to be able to meet. Um, uh, again, if it were making the the market a bit more competitive, um, you start to be able to lose some of the talent that you would at smaller publishers, um, Dark Horse, IDW, um, Boom, and in favor for you know more competitive stuff like going to an image where. Um, if you're getting paid more, it makes more sense. If you're doing the job, you know, here, uh, well, I can be doing it better there. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that um, like I, once the agreement sort of comes out and we get some of that transparency, I wonder how that'll play with uh, some of the other smaller companies that uh, exist. You know, I'm, I'm even thinking of something like a, a wave blue world where um, mm-hmm. it's pretty much just Tyler and his wife um, with a few employees here and there from our, our last interview with them. So uh, just you know, other considerations that uh, to be taken into account. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think this is not the first one that, that not the last one to happen. For sure. um, I know. I mean, I live close to a Starbucks that the, the first Starbucks that unionized. Um, so that 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 kind of domino has already fallen. And it's curious to see, you know, what other, you know, companies and industries kind of follow suit next. So Paul excited in the twitch chat said uh shocked it has taken so long for a union to come about hope it is a signal to all that things need to improve for those that create so much amazing content yeah uh definitely you know we want to see staffers creators who are you know working hard and oftentimes in weird not so great conditions um make sure that they you know have some amount of protections um and that they're getting paid what they're due yeah um so yeah, uh, we'll we'll see how this progresses. I don't think that this will be the last one, uh, like Tyler said. But um, keeping an image, they have announced another exclusive creator deal. This time with Jeff Lemire. Um, Let's go. Jeff Lemire is going exclusive with Image Comics. Uh, as much as that means, in you know, in the case of Image. Uh, basically at image comics exclusive means you can't do anything with Marvel or DC um, because he's still going to be able to finish out black hammer. Uh, he's still going to be able to do Substack. When I say finish out black hammer, I mean uh, continue to write black hammer for dark horse for okay. like still years. I was going to say, I boy, I don't know anything about him finishing black right. hammer. He has he has uh, at least a couple more years worth of stories yeah. for Black Hammer coming, so that will all still come out through Dark Horse and Substack, um, and then whatever other unique stories he wants to tell over at Substack, he will still be able to do. No word on where those will eventually be published physically, though I would imagine that that will be through Image. Mm. Um, he did also announce uh, there were a couple of announcements about new projects that uh lemire would be able to put out um bone orchard and little monsters um and those are both 
projects that he's going to draw as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is wait, Little Monsters. I thought that was with uh, Dustin Wynn. No. Uh, it says. Yeah. It says, I'm excited to make Image the exclusive home for all my projects in the years to come, both solo projects that I will draw myself and various collaborations. Bone Orchard and Little Monsters are just a start. Okay, so maybe that is with Dustin. Okay, yeah. And I think Bone, Bone Orchards is with Andreas Sorrentino, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, Jeff Lemire, uh, notably is doing Robin and Batman now, which mm. is, you know, the last issue is about to drop and Swamp Thing Green Hell, right? Um, which I don't know how long that is, but three, it's three a issues as well. Okay, so I would imagine that that, once that wraps, that will be the end of his Marvel and DC yeah. work for the foreseeable future. Yeah, that those must be like done as far as like he's concerned. Right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Honestly, in my opinion, Jeff Lemire's best work is when he's not at the big two. hundred percent. Like, mm. like I, I think he has a singular vision for things that maybe editorial kind of gets involved in. And like, but when he's allowed to kind of just do his own story, um, it's some of my favorite work out there. Black Hammer. Um, what yeah. was the uh, Gideon's um, Gideon Falls? Gideon Falls. Gideon Falls. Yeah, yeah. Like stuff like that is more recent stuff is is great honestly so um i'm excited to see what, what this can do i don't i mean in my opinion a, an exclusive doesn't mean shit anymore <laughs> um especially when it comes to image comics but like if this means he has a secured um output and has um financial stability good for him so yeah and, and this I, yeah. is like um the brew baker and uh, phillips like they're exclusive with image and uh they've been crushing i i feel like i haven't mm, seen mm-hmm. baker on anything else other than an image book and so uh, and and even in, in our discord we're all big brubaker fans and phillips fans and so when he when they, this team puts something out like everybody jumps on it so i think it's a fruitful decision um and to your point sean on, on the Substack piece like that's going to naturally be the home when that kind of stuff comes out to print so um, this was this is definitely the the long term move for Jeff Lemire and, and a creator of that kind of caliber. Very excited. Well, if you're a fan, if you're as big a fan of us as our Discord is of Brewbreaker and Phillips, go ahead and hit us with a follow if you're in the chat right now. And if you're not, make sure you go to twitch.tv slash the comics pals and just just hit that follow button. Uh, takes you no time at all. Just go ahead and follow for us. Really appreciate everyone who goes ahead and does that. Uh, let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about Marvel. So Marvel has announced some of their plans for Black History Month. Um, that includes a Marvel Voices uh, issue. Um, a new edition, which will come out obviously in February. It's going to be putting a spotlight on black characters and creators. So, you know, we like that. Um, of course, you know, in February, you must do it um, because we don't exist outside of February. Um, so they have announced, though, a line of variant covers for Black History Month done by Swabi, uh, Joshua Sway Swabi. Um, is going to be doing these variant covers. Uh, these are the books that they chose. So February 9th, we're going to get Devil's Reign number four, 
and they specifically include featuring Luke Cage. Uh, February 9th, Avengers 53. February 16th, X-Men number eight, featuring Storm. February 16th, Dark Ages number five. February 23, Iron Man 17. February 23, Captain America, Iron Man number four. I'm, I'm so glad that they highlighted the only two black characters at Marvel. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad they highlighted all the uh, black solo books at Marvel. <laughs> so... <laughs> I thought that was extremely funny, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, I couldn't believe that. And this is what kills me about like, you know, whenever the big two try to do diversity and it's just something, it's just outrageously bad. Um, and, it, and it's like when they, when DC did the, 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 the March madness bracket thing, right? Oh Yeah. And the DC, what was it called? Oh. Uh, DC. D, uh, JLQ. JLQ, thank you. Yeah, yeah JLQ. Um, and then that book, like, didn't win. It got bounced out in, like, the first round. And everybody was mad. Like, there was no one happy except the people who don't like LGBTQ people. Um, total fail, right? So I was like, okay, let me see how many books Marvel is publishing in which the character or the creator is black just to see right and so i got a list this list is every book that is an ongoing series at marvel okay that's what i have in front of me and i got this from wikipedia to be fair so if it's wrong you know head on over there you know they're always begging for money tell them to get their facts straight wikipedia <laughs> um so here so here we go Wait, we can have, I guess? Okay, go go right ahead. Yeah. I think it's one. I think it's one book. One book. Um, I can't think of any ongoing. Yeah, Wait, the, I think like, it's just like the total, one book. Total ongoing books right now, you mean? No, just how many ongoing books feature in the in the starring role a black oh, I character and or creator. I'm going to say five. Five? Okay. I was going to say three. Three. And uh, Tyler, you said one. I'm just going to go with one. I'm going to do the prices Right uh, situation here. Fair enough. So <laughs> one dollar. Here, here we go. Black Panther, right? So it's, it's automatically that there's one. Black Panther is obviously a black character written by John Ridley, who is black. Uh, yeah. Um, Miles Morales. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yep. And we're done. Oh, damn it. So I was close. It would have been two, right? Yeah. I forgot Miles Morales. Okay. This, uh, I guess Black Panther counts as two. But um, yeah. Now, if you want to stretch that and go into limited series, uh, there is a Black Panther Legends series that's ongoing right now that I've never heard of before. Um, I looked at this list and then we're done. Yeah. So if you encompass all of Marvel, it's three books. And there's not a Punisher series, so that doesn't count. So. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is Vita Ayala not on that list anywhere? Um, I think. It, are they still doing X Corp? Is X Corp still even going on? I don't well, even know. I, to be fair, 
to Marvel in this instance, a lot of the X-Men books are not on this list because they're not coming out anymore. Fair. Yeah. Yep. Oh, they, that's right. Yeah, because X reboot, lives yeah. and X deaths is gonna be the thing. So, mm. you know, if you if you were to add that, then you would have Vita. Right. Okay. Yeah. So then it would be four. And that's including the limited series. So wow. not a good look, Marvel, for Marvel Voices. How many freelancers who never work for you are you going to have to conscript to make your Marvel Voices book happen, Marvel? Like, what are we doing? What is happening? Oh, hey, by the way, Luke Cage book, right? <laughs> that got canceled. Probably really great to have on your docket right now. Just saying. Yes. Yeah. Oh, boy. And like you mentioned that list, was Black Panther even on a list of variants? No. No. Yeah, what? Right. <laughs> what the fuck? This is easy. Come on, guys. Imagine that you have to say Devil's Reign number four featuring Luke Cage when you could have <laughs> said City on Fire, Luke, Luke Cage, City on Fire. You could have just had Luke Cage on Front Street, but instead you want to say featuring Luke Cage. How come we always have to be featured? Let me be the main character. You well, know what I'm well, saying? Like, what is happening? Well, you know, Black Panther featuring T'Challa, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you've got Martin Freeman in that title. Line. That's right. right. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Happy Black History Month. <laughs> Thanks, Kel. Appreciate you. How, uh, uh, I was just thinking about it. How many, uh, I was trying to figure out how many DC books would fall under that. And the only one I could think of uh, was um, Static. Well, there's I Am Batman. There's that one too. Oh, okay. I don't I know. This, this, this whole uh, initiative for Black History Month from Marvel feels like the, uh, the equivalent of posting a black square on your Instagram. Like, <laughs> it's like they had, there's such a, 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 a titan in the industry where they have total control on, on actually bringing, you know, uh, black voices to this. And it's only one artist too doing the variants, right? Like, I mean, yeah, good, good for him. Like that's, that's, that's cool. probably a good paycheck. Yeah. Um, but like you can do this for every book you're doing friggin', uh, the Gwen, the Gwen verse variants across all of your books mm-hmm. throughout the year. Like, God forbid you do this with, you know, black characters. Imagine that a white blonde lady gets all the attention. (laughs) And and, and you know what? Like, I don't even I don't even come on here and like rant and rave about diversity. But what annoys me is when they pay lip service to it. And, you know, you're trying to get people excited about it. But then you you announce your plans and it's like, okay, you know, we had um shoot i can't remember if this story was told on the show uh we already had jeremy holt on and they talked about how they got the marvel voices job that was that was on the show right yes that was okay yeah. and they said that you know they got the call and it was like can you turn this around over the weekend you know yeah for marvel voices the um i don't i don't want to speak out of term but it, it was, was like the asian it was the asian, asian edition i just didn't want to say like this asian right the asian edition <laughs> but um you know that's the foresight that they had and i'm sure that marvel and dc both do things you know whimsically with things that aren't diversity based so i'm not going to chide them too hard for that but it just feels weird to me that 
things like this come together haphazardly and it's like oh what who do we grab uh get uh uh sean bartley hosts a podcast about comics maybe he can write who knows get him you know um things like that uh it's frustrating yeah but uh enough about minorities let's talk about the x-men we've got a block of x-men news um between them just you know getting closer and closer to march and sort of the the relaunch of it the soft very soft relaunch with the dawn of x stuff continuing where inferno left off um and jonathan hickman's most recent appearance on the explain the x-men podcast we have so many things to talk about as it relates to the x-men so we'll start with the news about x-men red we learned a little bit more about what x-men red is going to be um we, first of all, we'll start with the creative team. It's Al Ewing and Stefano Caselli. We just saw Caselli's work in Inferno number four. So staying within the X-Men uh, ecosystem there. I like that. Um, this is the same creative team as Sword, right? I believe Caselli on Sword. Yeah, I think Caselli at least did one issue of Sword. I know he's been on it. I don't know. If, uh, Sword, I don't think, has had a, a set artist Okay. on it um but yeah this just seems to be the continuation of sword so cool yeah uh and and it feels like all the books they've announced are basically the continuation of something that was already being published uh like legion of x is basically just a continuation of legion which we'll talk about here in a second um i'm sorry way of x yeah thank mm. you um but we know also sort of what the book X-Men Red is going to be about. It's going to focus on Araco, which of course is a terraformed Mars. Um, and it's just going to follow these characters as they figure out, you know, how to live um, and how to live in a place that isn't in, in constant wartime. Right. Uh, this is actually a book that I literally just advocated for in our discord. Uh, it's weird that we never got an Araco based book that follows these characters and sort of figures out, well, what do we do now? You know, I think that's a really interesting question. There's a lot of stuff to pull from when you talk about like in our actual world, what do societies do when the war is over? What happens? You know, it's funny because sword has been that at least for the past arc. You know, it's been about Storm kind of um, fitting into her role as the uh, royal the regent. Yeah. regent of, oh. of Arako. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it still de- deals with like the space station, you know, the sword space station and, you know, brand and stuff like that. But like right. it's been that. Um, so maybe this is just the the formality of continuing that story. Yeah, I was wondering where that was happening. Because mm-hmm. I was wondering, they had that, you know, that big thing happen in Storm is the Queen of Mars or whatever. And it's like, okay, what now? <laughs> so I, I didn't know that was happening in Sword. I, I, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to criticize Marvel. I don't want to criticize the ex uh, writers or creators there because they, they couldn't have anticipated the pandemic. And obviously Hickman leaving um, and the, the mechanics of that shook things up. We'll talk about that more later. This is a book. This should have existed already. Yeah. And it, and, and it should have existed in a way that promoted the fact that Storm was the main character that would follow Araco. That should have been spinning out of Ten of Swords. There should have been no, or rather, um, the Hellfire Gala. Yeah. There yeah. should have been no delay. 
should have gone straight into X-Men Red. And I, mean, I don't know why that didn't happen, but it needed to. At least we got Trial of Magneto, you know, spinning out of the Hellfire Gala. Let's Great go. plot. Great yeah. plot. Great plot. plot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited about this. Sword, I picked up the first few issues. And I was like, eh, this is fine. This I will read. This I will follow. Yeah, for sure. This this I think is um, what we needed to get invested for one the planet and for these characters. Um, now that I know that that's what Sword is kind of about, I might read like the past few issues just to see yeah. where they're kind of at because that is that is pretty interesting. I, I like the fact that Storm was the one that was chosen, um, and she's one of my favorite X Men. So the fact that we're just going to get more Storm, hundred percent down for that. Yeah. And also, spoiler alert, but uh, it brings uh, adult cable back into the mix, too. Hey. So. Gotta love it. Kid Cable was cool. Can we talk about this hot fire, uh, I believe it's variant, by Russell Dodderman? Oh, it's so good. So good. On screen now? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful. Like, like, I personally love to see comic book artists draw absolutely beautiful characters. And I'm not talking about like, wow, this is beautiful art. I'm talking about sexy, right? And Russell Dodderman is up there with Clay Man as two <laughs> artists who get it done. Let's look at Storm right now. Look at I how got, good she looks. She's perfect. Flawless. I gotta put like a, I gotta put the horny alert as a as a as a scene on here um, for, for for when Sean talks about Dodderman art. <laughs> Go ahead. Just when like he a, drew, I'll have the dog just bonking you in the, in the stream next time. When he drew Emma Frost with them gloves that don't even fit, I was done. Uh-huh. I was <laughs> floored. Floored. I mean, so I, I couldn't believe it. This show is like how, how the difference between you and I, because what what jumps out to me in this agreed awesome cover is Magneto pretty much doing the same stance as his idol animation from uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. <laughs> and I'm like, you're completely right. <laughs> it's literally that. So we have two different focuses. My friend. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, That's what marriage does to you, Tyler. <laughs> Welcome to it. I have one woman and I look at her. <laughs> Uh, so we'll get, we'll get this book in April, April 6th. Uh, so a little bit of a wait, but, um, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, let's move forward. Let's talk about Legion of X, which we now have a creative team for, and a little bit of information about what it's going to be about. Uh, so it's going to be written by Cy Spurrier, one of Marco's boys. That's right. Um, who did Way of X and the one-shot Onslaught Revelation, yep. mm-hmm. um, which I did not think was too great. Um, that was a little rough. I enjoyed it. Fair enough. I'm glad to hear that. A yeah. little, little, little bit janky. Little janky. A little bit. Um, this, though, is going to uh, feature Jan Bazaldua. Bazaldua? Um, who did Winter Guard, which was pretty good. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be a continuation of Way of X. Um, Spurrier talks about his idea for what this is. Um, he describes it as a precinct-style ensemble story. It's going to feature Nightcrawler again, Pixie Juggernaut for some reason. Um, and this is the quote from Spurrier. Uh, I've wanted to do a precinct style ensemble story since I first read House of X. For the first time, the Marvel Universe has this densely packed, 
beautiful and beautifully volatile population of superhumans out in the open all in one place. It needs peacekeepers, sure, but it's a mistake to think of them as simply cops. You don't get far in Krakoa if the limit of your imagination is beating people up or reaching for a gun. Mutant civilization needs needs those who think differently. That's where Nightcrawler, Legion, Pixie, and Juggernaut come in, along with a rotating cast of your favorite mutants and non-mutants, and a couple of new faces you're going to watch want to watch very, very closely. So I want to get out in front of this and say this is the book that I wish X Factor had been. Oh, fair. Okay. Hmm. It's gonna be Krakoa nine nine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like I like how Spurrier, Spurrier is like, um, you know, we can't have cops, you know, that just beat up people. So that's why I brought in the juggernaut. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Known for peacekeeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many it's, other cop shows do I know? It's a weird follow up from Way of X, which dealt with this like abstract concept. Right. Of, of, like, of like making religion. And, right. Like, well, making making the culture, I believe, is what Way of X was like, solidifying yeah. what mutant culture is. Yeah, and and for this to be the follow up, this is so dissonant for me. I I'm gonna yeah. pick honestly, I'm gonna pick this book up just because of Psy, and I don't know that the content, uh, like this this blurb, I don't know that it it uh, like hooked me, but I I like Psy's work. I'm gonna at least give it a try. Um, I would have liked more uh, a more focused Way of X style kind of book um because that was something that i think was interesting but i don't think really got off the floor it's weird to me that nightcrawler went from made this jump yeah exactly so Hmm. the reason why i said what i said and why i think that this has the potential to be better than way of x is because what i feel these x-men books have really suffered from is a lack of focus in general Right. Mm. And so way of X conceptually is like huge, but it never really delivered on its promise. And I think you can say that about several of the books that were Mm. part of the line. This at least is a concept that seems hard to miss on. It's very specific and it justifies itself if it does what it literally says. So hopefully size sticks to that and we can get it. I'm not necessarily floored by the concept, but at least if he he does what he says, I can trust that that will happen. And if he's a good writer, which I believe him to be, then this will be good. That's fair. Yeah. I like the the, the concept a lot. You know, it it lends itself to a serialized storytelling, you know, right. um, And put a ragtag group of like, C-list, not Nightcrawler, but C-list, you know, X-Men characters in there. Blindfolds back, uh, surprisingly. Um, she hasn't been back because of the whole Destiny thing. They didn't want any kind of precogs on Krakoa. Right, so right. she she's back in the mix. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Good point. Krakoa 5-0. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me three more. Oh, damn it. There's a, there's a Law and Order one Krakoa, in there. Krakoa Blues. Uh, Kurt Bridges. <laughs> Oh, that good. That was good. Well yeah, done. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, I just got that. All right. All right. Wow, that went over better than I thought it would. Yeah, Can we get go. one more? He said, yeah. "Give me three more." I gave you one. You gave one. Can we get one more? Um, 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 I can do it. I can do it. Uh, uh, around the spot. Burt Reynolds, help me out here. Burt Reynolds. Oh, uh, um, Blue Bloods. It's right there. 
Oh, uh, uh, Krakoa, Life on the Streets. All right. The Wire. No, that didn't work. Yeah, I thought yeah. about The Wire first, but then I went to, um, yeah. to that you one. You can't really do that. You can't really yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marvel is bringing back the X vote, the X-Men vote. So last year, I think it was, we had at the start of the year, we had the X-Men vote of 2021. Uh, and basically the concept was Marvel gave us several different characters and allowed us to choose rigged. which one of them <laughs> would be on the team. And of course, you had options like uh, Banshee. You had options like Boom Boom. You had uh, options, real, real winners like Strong Guy um, and, uh, you know, just a, an, an amazing crop of characters. Of course, Polaris won, which I don't think should have surprised anybody at all. I believe she won by all these like fraudulent mail-in ballots put in by dead people. I think that's what's going on. We, didn't, we don't we need to. We need to have a recount. I think. I still think the recount still needs to happen. I can't believe they're doing a vote so soon. Um, yeah, boom! Boom! Was chance. robbed. Boom! Boom! Was robbed. Boom! Boom! Was robbed. Well, what I heard um, actually is that uh, strong guy really did win. And that he will be revealed as a member of the X Men in 2022. Oh, um, with um, Charles Xavier Jr. is coming back too, right? They're going to revive Charles Xavier yeah. Jr. and yep. okay, and they're going to lead the X Men. That's what I heard. Yeah, it's okay, um, cool. But they are bringing back the X Men vote, which was another one of those things that. So, like DC had their thing. Um, this, I feel like it definitely went over better, but I think people still had problems with it. Um, partially because, as Tyler is joking about, people did feel like it was rigged, that having Polaris there polarized it. Um, <laughs> I hate you. I mean, I, I think talking to talking to Leia Williams, we can prove that it wasn't rigged because she was like, yo, I didn't want that. Like, <laughs> I wanted Polaris to stay on X Factor. I don't think she even wanted Polaris to be a, a potential. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that seemed to be, to be derailing her story. Because if you look at this list, right? Who of them at the time was on a team? Boom Boom was on New Mutants. Boom Boom was on yeah. New Mutants, and so was Cannonball, right? Um, but I think that's it. Well, Sunspot probably was. X-Core? What do you have? Uh, might have been that, in the that, works. That wasn't out yet, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they, Polaris was definitely, undoubtedly, the most well-known character on this list. And she won. So... Hopefully this time they do it in a way that's it's not as obvious. This felt like uh, for those of you who are like WWE stands, this felt like Taboo Tuesday where they would give you three <laughs> choices for the kind of match. And it's like, hey, we could have a regular match. We could have a, a, a chair match or we could have a hell in the cell. You know, what are you going to choose? Right. Um, so hopefully they, they don't include a major character like that. But at the same time, do I need a book with strong guy in it? I don't know. I mean, you're, you're uh, getting one. There's that secret X-Men one shot coming out where all the losers of the previous X-Men vote. Yeah, that's right. kind of doing their own, you know, uh, their own mission in a way. Yeah. Don't love that either. But feel, who, who would you like throw into the, the mix here? Who, oh, OK. Hmm. Uh, so first of all, I would instantly do our, our armor. Okay. And marrow. I love armor. I'm pretty sure those are your picks when we talked about it the first time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Surge, I am. I'm okay. Okay. Marvel, <laughs> please. I'm begging you. Please bring back Surge. Help heal 
the 16 year old who fell in love with Serge and then she fell off the face of the earth. I don't Serge remember Serge. Is one of my favorite Marvel characters and she's nowhere. Help me, please. Bring back Serge. Oh, that's Serge. Oops. I would say put my boy uh, I I got I got two choices here. Glob Herman. Of course. Or uh let's throw Maggot into the mix. But who's voting for them? That's what I think it should be like really, really bad characters. So you can add so, well bad where as in I would say uh not well known kind of misfit characters. Um, that way you can then put them to the A-list. It's like a huge promotion. And that way there's no Polaris that's gonna be, you know, rigging the votes, really. Like you can throw, I don't know, dupe into here. You can throw um ink into here, or uh I don't know, just no girl. You go girl. Like who, whatever. Who's who's my guy from, from uh Grant's run who's like a, a bird creature who just that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Go ahead, Marco. I, I was gonna say that that as a premise of let's say you had like a B squad and you have the X-Men, I feel like that would be a cool way to get weird characters into the mix. And then at some point they graduate into full-fledged X-Men. So you can control the who's going to be on the x-men in a better way but you still get the vote because you're throwing in these weird characters all at once into the the b team there uh and then you're you know you can swap as as you like uh, and it feels a a bit more of like a natural progression because they're like growing into the role and you can see like how the powers mesh and shit i have one more name i want to throw in there hi boy santa claus Nah. Canonic, it's canonically a mutant in the Marvel universe. What? Nah. Yep, yep. Throw him on there. Give him like a, a nice one shot with the X Men team for uh, for Christmas. If you're if you're listening live or otherwise, who would you want to see in this vote? Who who would you vote for if the vote happens and there are all these different characters? Who would you choose? Who do you want to see again? I'm Surge Armor. And uh, uh, Marrow. Those are the ones I want. The Surge is number one. You know what? Um, Marrow's a Morlock. What's up with the Morlocks? Like, what? They addressed that. They, they, they address that in uh, Marauders. They're like Arizona or something? Yeah, no, some of, some... Are, some of them are there. Like oh, the guy yeah. who heals people yeah. is there. Yeah, some okay. of them are there. Some of them chose to stay... Yeah, gotcha. they're in like okay. a retirement village or something. Yeah, they have their own that. space. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, X-Men Vote 2022. Uh I'm excited to see who what characters are on are on the list. Um, is it a little soon? It's oh yeah. Uh, thank thank you. Okay, yeah, that was yeah, the last thing I wanted here. to address. I think this is weird as hell because there yeah. is an X-Men book coming, right? And the vote is almost assuredly there's, I mean, based on the way comics work, 100% sure the vote is happening after the first couple, two, three, four issues are already nailed down. and can't change. So inevitably this character will not be a part of the initial X-Men number one, right? Yep. Why do it this way? Yeah. It seems like, like every two years might be better. If this is yeah. how you're gonna do it, like you yearly, have more time. You get, yeah, yearly you only get 
if you're lucky, 12 issues with a, uh, a character. But even then, uh, we didn't even get that for this, yeah, exactly. yeah, this run of X-Men. Duggan's only just released uh, issue six. six last week. Like, yeah. 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 So it feels, it feels very soon for, for that. Uh, definitely two, three years. Makes sense. So uh, the next few things we talk about are going to lead into our main topic. So let's try not to belabor them too, too much because they'll be baked into an overall conversation we'll have. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Jonathan Hickman went on the Explain the X-Men podcast. And over there, he actually spilled the beans about a lot of things that were planned for uh, the X line that he wasn't able to do. So these are things that are scrapped. If he's talking about them, that means that he's 100% confident that they won't be happening. Um, And they're really, really juicy and interesting. So let's, let's dive into that. Um, First is remember when we were all like wondering who was it that was going to write the Moira comic and Hickman had teased that there was a Moira comic they wanted to do, but their first and only choice was someone they couldn't get who didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And so they didn't do the book at all. We all thought, I think at the time there was Cy Spurrier. Hmm. It was actually huh. Al Ewing. Interesting. Yeah. I could say that. He didn't want to do it. Um, <laughs> and Al Ewing or Hickman? Al Ewing. Okay. Yeah, he, he, he decided that uh, he didn't want to do it. Uh, he, he didn't, f- the way Hickman said it, I listened to the show. Um, it was, it was really good. Uh, very insightful. I recommend that people uh, check it out. It's a good podcast. Um, the way he put it, it sounded like Al Ewing couldn't really get gather what the, he couldn't tell what the story was. Mm. And so he passed. And I think Al Ewing is more interested in doing the space stuff that he's been doing, like with Venom and sword and that sword was the hook. Sword was why he ended up deciding to uh, work with the X-Men stuff. So um, that's one thing. Do you guys want to share any brief ideas about that? I think that would have been a good book. Yeah, Um, that is really interesting. Personally, I don't think uh, I would have cared much for a Moira solo book. I don't know if there's much there. I think I think her story had to deal with everything else. It was so heavy. Um, heavily tied in with you know the, the larger X Men story as a whole. I don't know, like what would her story have been? Her working on science experiments, like she couldn't even leave the place, like unless it was about her previous lives. And maybe there's a hook there. Um, but yeah, if it was current Moira, uh, I don't know. I I think it would have been a juxtaposition of her prior lives and okay. things from those that that kind of relate in some way to what she's dealing with now or just filling in more details. Um, I agree with you in the sense that Moira's machinations have to be kept under the vest in order for it to be interesting. And so you can't really do too much with that character at any given point. But the fact that Hickman thought it was a good idea makes me want to see what it was. That's interesting. Well, yeah, the thing the thing for me about it is that it probably should have been a Hickman book because Moira was like right. the key to the whole thing. Right. I, I completely 100% agree with you. Ha, like the fact that he didn't think that he himself was the person to write that. It's kind of funny to me. Yeah. Kind of kind of interesting. Um, 
Let's talk about the next one. So remember the giant size X-Men one shots? Uh, those were one shots that came out last year. A lot I of believe that were really fun uh, and basically just featured characters who weren't in the spotlight in any of the major books doing something interesting with tremendous art. And so the first one that they did, which was my favorite, was the uh, Jean Grey Emma Frost one with art yeah. by <laughs> Russell Dodderman. I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, that was where we got the debut of the gloves. And <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. I believe so. Um, like the half gloves that were like cut off here. Yes. I, yo, uh, yeah, oh, I remember the gloves. <laughs> Anyone who listens to this podcast knows about the gloves. They have to. It's just some. It, I talk about it nonstop. Um, so in that issue, if you remember, Jean Grey and Emma are trying to help Storm. Storm. Something's wrong with Storm. They go into her mindscape to try to figure out what the problem is. Yeah. As it turns out, the original plan was that Storm was pregnant. Huh. With the baby of T'Challa, the Black Panther. Mm. Huh. And that um, Marvel said no. But the problem is that the book was so far in production already, which is shocking to me that they just forged ahead and like <laughs> did the book and Marvel didn't even know about it, I guess. And so Marvel said no, but Daughterman had already drawn it. It was too late. And so if you pay attention, which none of us really caught, but if you pay attention, a lot of the imagery is actually referring to Storm being pregnant. But the dialogue does not match that. There wasn't that much dialogue in that book. And and that is why. That's uh, a that's uh. a big part of why. Because there there was the, what was there to say? They yeah. couldn't address what was happening. And so they changed it and made it that the she was uh, she had the virus or whatever inside of her. Um, and in the world, there's a birth that happens, but it's like some A.I. thing. That's right. Her yeah. child was supposed to be in the world and it would grow up hyper fast and it would end up being a Zari who is actually the child of uh, Black Panther and Storm f- that appears in next. Avengers. Oh, OK. Cool. Yeah. And that Azari was going to be a major player going forward because Azari is the child of two kingdoms. Oh, holy shit. That would have been fucking crazy. Yep. So Mars and uh, or Arako and Wakanda. Okay. Wow. Hickman talks about the fact that he feels like the giant size books are a mess. (laughs) And it's because of sort of the, the the interruptions and changes that Marvel uh, forced on them in that in this instance. Mm. So very compelling look behind the curtain there. I'm fascinated by that. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, what sorry, what podcast was this? Explain the X-Men. Okay. It's quite good. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. Um, Hickman also talks about books that he wanted to do that they just never got around to. Um, and uh, that's also interesting. Uh, Generation X. There was going to be a oh, Generation man. X book. I would have loved that. What would uh, that be? You said, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, like, like Sync and uh, who else can you throw in there? Was uh, Boom Boom? Was Boom Boom part of that? 
I think I don't remember. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Um, well, these were Hickman's words on it. I feel like the whole Generation X was cast was fantastic. I mean, just fantastic. For some reason, we never got to it. It's the eternal youth problem of Marvel time, and they happen in a really small window. Whenever you compress the top and bottom together, same thing for the next generations of kids that have come along. That's somebody else's favorite mutants. Whenever Cyclops doesn't get older, you're just squishing everything down. I initially wanted to do a Generation X book. That's kind of interesting what the initial line of books was going to be and what I had hoped it was going to be and what we were pushing for. And then what it morphed into my idea was that we should have one book for each of the generation of Academy kids. We should have a new mutants book and we should have a generation X book, man, the total disregard of young, young X-Men. Come on. He also talked about a hellfire club kids book. So, oh. and then on the flip side of that, we should have a hellfire club, you know, Emma's kids. The thing that, w- that about working on the X Men with all of that continuity is there's just so much to mind and there's so many directions you could go in. And then at some point, it just becomes about economical choices and people actually have to write and want to write those things. He also said Imperial Guard. And that was obvious. It was, it's obvious that there was going to be an Imperial Guard book. Um, it was actually directly teased in the X Men. Book. His, when he was writing X-Men, they were clearly going down that road. Uh, he said Vulcan with Vulcan. Okay. Uh, remember the issue where they're actually in space dealing with the uh, brood? Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Like okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, what's his name? So, uh, Sunspots there and Cannonballs there. Remember, they were established as being in space. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. Vulcan was there, too. <laughs> So he says, uh, I was going to do an Imperial Guard book with Bobby and Sam, and it was going to be them on the other side of all that technology stuff and the Shi'ar and the Imperial Guard and Star Jammers would have been a part of it. But it would have been a big space book seeding all of that for when we were eventually, obviously, going to crash it together. But it was going to seed all of that in a way, in a pretty intense way. So I'm bummed about that. I clearly set them up to do all that. When I did those four issues of New Mutants, that was clearly where we were going to go with all that. I have a couple of things that I really was looking forward to doing that I'm just not going to get to do, but they're in great hands. The last book is a Mr. Sinister book. Nice. Absolutely. I thought he was a pants character for the longest time, and it was really terrible until Kieran unlocked it and I used it in Secret Wars. He was a big, big part of that, and I never stopped building that for Kieran to come back in, even when Kieran didn't know that he was going to come back in. So, and so I tricked him. I pulled my own little sinister thing there, and Kieran is where he belongs. And man, that stuff that he has lined up with the council and sinister is pretty great. Oh, was that in that's uh, interesting. Kieran's? Uh, he did uh, Secret War Siege, was it? He's referring to when Kieran was actually writing the X Men, if I remember correctly. Ah, that was a very short period, I believe. Huh. If I, I could be wrong, but if memory serves, he mentioned Sinister Wars, right? was the first villain of Kieran's run, and he was completely different than. Um, than we had ever seen Sinister before. I remember at the time not liking that, but that's the version of Sinister that has kind of become the standard for Marvel. We didn't see that version again, really, until Hickman picked him back up in Secret Wars. Huh. Yeah. So, so he so it says Gillian steers the X-Men through fear itself, schism, and regenesis. Yes. Oh, yes. I remember yeah. this time. Okay. This is okay. This is near yeah. fear itself. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so this interview actually took place before Inferno number four had released and before the announcement, I think before the announcement about Immortal X-Men had been made, um, he talks about Kieran's book in a vague way. Mm. So, um, yeah, but yeah, pretty cool stuff that we got. Um, the last thing I wanted to do before we get into our main topic was talk about the way this all came together. I thought that was really interesting. We've had questions about that. And so Hickman kind of laid it down. Um, it's a little bit long, but I will do my best to get through it. Um, House and Powers, most of that came from me writing a document about what was wrong with the X-Men books and what we needed to do to fix them. And very subtly asking for the job every year until I left when I did Secret Wars. And I never thought I would get to do it because I did not believe that I was coming back to Marvel. I wasn't going to go to DC because I had a bunch of screenwriting gigs and stuff that I was doing and I had a bunch of independent books. But it just so happened that I had an itch that needed scratching and it all fell together. I was at the company. I had agreed to a new contract and I was going to be there for a little while. The Fox deal had just been done so we could do X stuff, but I absolutely had to go in and pitch everybody and all the editors. And before it even got to the other creators, I had to sell the entire company on doing it. And it went well. Most everybody in the room got it. The people that didn't get it had a couple of notes. We integrated those into it. They weren't bad notes. My favorite thing is going to into a room and when you get together with all the other writers and you get to pitch all of them the book, because obviously their take is incredibly different than what the editorial or executive take is going to be. When I pitched the first Fantastic Four, everybody thought I was arrogant because I was pitching what was going to happen for years. I didn't know that was arrogant. I thought I was just being enthusiastic. The same thing for when I pitched Avengers and Secret Wars. I had big plans for both of those. From what I pitched to what happened in House and Powers, very minuscule stuff had changed. People had a couple of notes about the tone, how dark or how positive it should be, and whether or not we should use some of the characters that we were using. Little things that were not a problem. Once we got into the writer's room, and it became this giant thing, even bigger than what we thought it was going to be because of House and Powers were such a huge success sales-wise. All of those books launched with incredible velocity, and then the line continued to grow, and then the world changed in the middle of it is referring to the pandemic. It just became a completely different thing than what I originally planned. But I think the soul of what the experiment was, which was, can we do an integrated line of comics? I feel like that was a success. Mm. That is where I want to lead into our main topic. The idea of an experiment that is an integrated line of comics is something that I don't really feel we've ever seen done to this degree that I can think of. You have your Batmans. Obviously, anytime there is a line of comics, whether it's Batman, Spider-Man, Hulk, where there's multiple books based on the same character or world of characters, generally speaking, the editors and the writers work together to make sure that the stories will be seamless and to have a general idea of where the story is going to be going down the line. But we've never had something like this where it's a writer's room where you have a head writer who's essentially dictating out years and years worth of stories coming with a Bible, picking and choosing creators to bring into the fold, to tell very specific stories that ping back and forth between the main book. That I think is pretty unique. And again, I'm sure everyone could point to similar things, but I don't think anything this ambitious. So in our main topic, I want to discuss whether that was a success, how we feel about 
things now that the whole story from Hickman's angle is over for now. And kind of like whether or not Hickman being um, the main person and being promoted as such head of X was a bad thing for the line in general. So we're going to do that in our main topic. We're going to take a small break just for ourselves to kind of regroup. Uh, We'll be back probably about less than five minutes. So we're going to take a small break and we will be right back. And we are ready to bring this bad boy home. We're going to be talking again about Jonathan Hickman and, and the beard great... and that incredible gray streak right down his chin. Can you guys see that on the like screen? The, the facial hair, Mr. Fantastic. Oh, like I in, love that image. Dr. So Strange. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That is the head of those. That is the head of X. Yeah. <laughs> That is the head of S. It's funny when I was Googling um, pictures of Jonathan Hickman, every single one I felt like he was wearing one of those crossbody satchels. Like, <laughs> do do love some a good a good purse, I guess. Purse. Yeah, carry your stuff. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, so was the great Jonathan Hickman X-Men experiment a success? So obviously, Jonathan Hickman comes on board, revolutionizes the X-Men, revolutionizes the way we think about them, and ushers them into the modern era. Marvel Comics has not significantly done anything with the X-Men at all since Astonishing X-Men ended, in my opinion. Um, They stripped them of their powers, by and large, uh, in House of M, and then they were basically in that holding pattern for quite some time. Um, to where they never really did much with them. I would argue but, the Bendis era was pretty big for the X-Men. You would? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What X-Men, well, they brought, you know, the X-Men into the young X-Men into the, into the future. So they did that pretty much reintroduced those characters. Uh, it kind of brought Jean Grey back in a way as a major player, even though it was just young Jean Grey. Um, introduced a whole bunch of new X-Men as well. Um, and it was Bendis on the book, so it put eyes on the book. Other um, than gold kind of fizzled, but other than gold balls, what is relevant about that run? Tempo is a big character. Who uh, isn't she? One of the big. the five now? Isn't she five. one of the five? Souls gold balls, yeah, yeah. Big yeah. though, I think so. I mean, I had. I, I mean, I think it was it was Bendis right after his Avengers run. So it was like, hey. You guys should read X Men again. I think, and they marketed it as a big thing. Did they it did. fizzle out? Uh, maybe fizzled out a bit. I don't know, bro. I see through. I read. I cut right through that. Bendis was there to add creator stature to the book, but to not to not shake things up. You look at the difference between Bendis's run and what Bendis did, uh, even what Whedon did, and what Hickman is doing now. I think. I think Bendis's run. Um, uh, just sits in a weird space there. I think it. I think it d- did something cool, and it refreshed it in a way that was acceptable to the Marvel higher ups. But I don't think it, it wasn't like a status quo shift. Right. Right. This. This Hickman's X Men is a status quo seismic shift. And we're no matter what happens in 10 years, it's hard to imagine that some amount of this won't echo the same way that what Grant did still echoes. Um, And so, you know, 
House of Powers shook Marvel, shook comics as a whole. Huge financial success, uh, you know, explodes into all these different books and ideas and things like that. Brought in a whole host of creators to be involved in this from the art side, from the writing side. And, you know, a lot of that stuff was interesting and felt fresh. Um, And I think regardless of what you think about how any of it panned out, it felt like something special and unique and fresh at the time. Um, Obviously, I think they were hit with a lot of bad luck as far as the pandemic is concerned. Jonathan Hickman speaks on that in the interview. And then uh, ultimately, we do get some events that are a little weird, like uh, Ten of Swords and the Hellfire Gala. Um, And then Hickman leaves. And the reason, for those of you who aren't aware, is because uh, the editorial, the writers, the, 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 the actual team outside of Hickman and Marvel, I assume, decided that they were not ready to move forward. God. Whatever phase two of this saga was intended to be um, was going to be such a shift that Marvel said, no, we're not ready. And Hickman has other work. You know, um, whatever Hickman is supposed to be doing outside of the X-Men is starting. And Hickman said, well, Marvel doesn't pay me to just write X-Men. They pay me to write big stuff. And so in order to do that, I cannot do this. And I would imagine Substack probably plays a role in that, too. Right. Um, So so is is this confirmation by him that he's going to be doing more Marvel stuff? He said that. When they first announced this. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, So with all of that table setting done, let's talk about it. Do you guys, how do you grade this whole thing? Um, Do you think that this was a success overall? I don't know. In terms of, did I enjoy it? Yes. I think I enjoy it a lot. And I think in terms of that, it's success. I don't think we can tell if it will be a success until after he's gone. Because I think that's what determines it, you know. I, I, I think I have a solid answer, and I think it's one I'm fairly comfortable with, based yeah. on the parameters that we've had and and what we've already talked about. I don't know that I do think it was a success. Um, the you know what I think Hickman set out to do, and I, I you know I've said this for a while now, got cut short. And I think, uh, you know, be that the pandemic, be that the editorial and, and the other creators weren't ready to move on. Um, I think, you know, that that all cut it short. And I think a lot of things that uh, would have been really, really good, both content wise and uh, work wise, you know, the the behind the scenes stuff. I think it. Uh, I think it all got short shrifted. Like I think, I think if he'd been able to do the things he wanted to in the very specific way that he envisioned, I, I think it really could have worked, especially long term. Um, and I think especially with books like Marauders, you know, which had its own thing going on but it was never really concurrent with anything and it was always uh thrown completely off kilter when anything happened 
I think, you know, eventually that stuff would have had to have circled back around mm. and, and and it would have become relevant either in its own right or, you know, to match the story. So I don't know. I, I don't I can't say that I think it was I think it was a cool step forward and it was a cool experiment. Mm. And I think, you know, in the future there are things a lot of creators and uh you know um editorial and 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 all that I, a lot of things they could learn from it i don't know that i necessarily would call it a success how about you marco i think the biggest question similar to tyler is the longevity of it what is the long tail for the creators i think I think what Hickman was successful in doing was creating a cohesive sandbox. Mm. So you can have a a Marauder's book that can do its own thing and integrate back. I think Mm. the execution is another uh, another question there, but you have X-Men Red coming out. You have um, Immortal X-Men. You you have a lot, we have X-Men going on currently. And I think all that stuff to allow people to play was successful and we were engaged and brought into the fold by Hickman. And for me, I would have liked to have seen how it would have continued. I agree that had we not, had we not stayed in this era of X-Men, I think the cohesion would have been much more, it would have been felt much more, it would have been that much more successful because it is a large storyline. But mm. the, I guess the the downfall of it has been the fact that Marvel wants to continue to publish things for as long as they can rather than tell this cohesive story. And it, 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 it the, the comparison I make in my mind is is manga where you can do something like this where a creator has total control of this ever expanding universe that they have, but there's always that end goal in sight and they're always working to that end goal and they're willing to make the sacrifice of extending or serializing because it's all part of that story. And uh, to be fair, there hasn't been anything done in the past Um where you take these multiple books and you create this kind of universe. I think that is absolutely unique and again, absolutely a success, but the, for me, what would have been the, the real linchpin there would have been seeing it to fruition. And that's the part where I don't think, yes, there, the line is integrated and yes, there's a lot to play there, but I, I would have wanted to have seen a creative concept uh go go the distance i think i don't think that's possible like the the comparison between you know manga and you know i guess superhero american comics um is is good because i I think it just shows that it's not possible in american comics that singular vision that kind of has an end goal in sight and can you know, make its way completely there and and get to that end goal is impossible 
it's 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 uh, comics are too corporatized and superheroes superheroes. for superheroes for superheroes yeah Uh, specifically marvel Uh, dc would would fit into this too um and it's just uh, creators aren't on books that long you know and and it's they have to have tie-ins they have to tie into events they have to have spin-off series the idea of a singular creator doesn't exist in superhero books should it could it i don't know i don't know i don't know if we can even you know compare it to, to manga in that way um because i just don't think it's possible uh, i mean i think the closest we have is black hammer from jeff lemire but again it's not it's not a, a big two book so, um, so i think well one thing i wanted to bring up is like i think i think the whether or not this is a success really depends on if it can these these themes and ideas can grow outside of the comics i think if we see Krakoa show up in, I don't know, the X-Men MCU movie, or we see it show up as the new season of the animated series. I think that'll kind of tell whether or not this was a success in terms of its longevity and its, and its strength as a story. Um, I think it definitely has potential to the idea of Krakoa, like not existing now doesn't compute in my head. Um, so in terms of like a status quo shift, I think Hickman definitely succeeded and kind of wrote this, linchpin story in the x-men mythos um but yeah i don't think i don't think we can tell yet if it's it's if it's truly a success i think that's a that's a pretty huge um um like expectation to saddle it with that it has to become a movie or something big like that in order to be a success I mean, we're right now we're talking comics. And I think if you're evaluating it from that angle, um, you know, was this a successful endeavor? Um, it's tough. It's, we it's have tough. to we have to define what success is then at that point. Well, like I said, yeah. success, success oh. is from the standpoint of, you know, did it did it revolutionize the X-Men did it bring the X-Men back into the forefront in a way where we care about them? Did it tell interesting and compelling stories? Did it set up a situation that can exist beyond Hickman within the books or was, is Hickman the only reason why his, his actual writing, the only reason why this succeeded? Because obviously, you know, there are a lot of other creators that aren't Jonathan that are involved in this, Mm. that, have had varying degrees of involvement in the overall story that we either liked or didn't like. Right. And we don't know all of those things. We don't know how much influence someone like Vita Ayala, for example, had over 10 of swords. What we kind of do, but like, we don't know the extent. Um, So stuff like that. I think that while answering this is difficult and we will absolutely have to do this again, whenever the whole thing is over, which who knows when that'll be. Um, I think that it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yeah. But I would ultimately, I think I'm forced to say that it was not a success. Here's the reason. Hmm. Well, I think it's funny because you just listed off all those things that defines it. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I would say yes to that. I would say yes to that. Um it- it did do all of those things, but I think it did them whenever Jonathan Hickman was writing and not whenever anyone else was. Yep. I really believe that. Yep. And <laughs> I hate to say that because this is not, I'm not, 
I have to explain it because I'm really, really not trying to denigrate those creators. I think everybody did their best. I think everybody brought their A game and it's clear that they were all excited. My problem is that it's really hard to take somebody else's concept and vision and then live that out, play that out. Right. So Hickman, from my understanding, is the person who came up with the ideas for you know, these different books and where the characters would be, what they could and couldn't do and stuff like that. And I'm sure there was a lot of leeway as far as what creators could bring to the table, but Hickman set the table. So whenever you read Marauders, right? And every time it starts to get sort of interesting and it feels like Jerry Duggan is going somewhere, then it's like, hey, by the way, Ten of Swords got to stop this to do that. That sucks. Yeah. Okay. And we've always complained about that as far as events go. I don't think I've ever felt it more than I did here because of how tethered these books are to each other. They don't exist without each other. More importantly than that, they don't exist without Hickman. He is the conductor. And they have to march to the beat of his drum. So that for me was a big problem. Um they didn't bring on creators. This is probably the right thing to do, but they didn't bring on creators who tell stories the way Hickman does. So tonally, they're all completely different. They don't feel the same. And they probably should. I disagree with that. That's fine, but this is yeah. fine. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> um, they, they they probably should. I like the idea that the when you when you switch books. You get a similar vibe. We always praise the line for looking the same. You know, the books that look like what Pepe Larraz laid out work the best for me. And if the books were written like Hickman books by people who can do that style, or maybe not even necessarily do the style, but had the gravity, mm. that would have been better. None of the books other than whatever Hickman was writing felt like they mattered. So if you're a fan and you're like, you know what? I don't have all this type of money. I'm just going to read whatever Hickman writes. Maybe you would say, eh, I'll skip out on Spider-Man because Marauders really feels like it matters. And it's written so well and it feels like X-Men. But the books didn't feel like that. And then when you get into the events, for me, Ten of Swords, no good. Wash. Wash. Super hyped, total wash. Yep. Ten of Swords did not feel like a Hickman thing, to be honest. It didn't. Yeah. yeah. It didn't. It felt uh, like a committee thing. Yeah. I I think the, the the what you're saying is that the risk you get there is when you start homogenizing the line, which is also shown to not do comic book lines well. Like think of like how how Bendis's you know Avengers petered off. Yeah, the, the writing kind of petered off, but also because all the Avengers books were Bendisy, you know. Um, and oh, I don't know, man. Go ahead, but I'm gonna challenge that. But like, I just I don't think you should have a a, a line of comics, specifically X Men, that blew up in terms of its scale in the recent years. All sound the same, you know, or it all worked. feel the same. It worked during his Avengers run. Well, it's because only he was doing that. You know, he was. What, what were the books at that point? Avengers, New Avengers, 
Um, he wasn't the one. only writer. Uh, they had Avengers World or Avengers Forever. Not Avengers Forever. I think it was called Avengers World. It was Avengers World, yeah, which he was still credited on for um, plotting, I believe. Yeah, but he didn't write it. which which is what this is or what yeah, it should I be. Mean, I think what, what we ran into is a smaller scale version of the problems you get into with editorial on a major line. Like it's, you know, whether it was remember Secret Invasion, you know, you would see, oh, there's this main Secret Invasion book that's fun and it's by Bendis and it's going on. But now all the other books have to tie you into it. And do I want a ghostwriter book that deals with scrolls? Maybe not. Um, but we're seeing that on a smaller scale with, oh, Bendis. I mean, um, Hickman has this vision. And now someone like uh, Leah Thompson has to then. Leah Thompson. Uh, oh, that's uh, a. <laughs> that's that's Howard that's, that's Howard the Duck. Damn it, that's a typical Tyler <laughs> move there. Yep. Um, but whether or not like a, a writer like like Vita or something would have to fit into a Hickman mold, which uh, their writing obviously doesn't. And maybe this is the choice of they chose creators with varying um, voices and um, writing styles, which I think is the right thing to do um, and then tried to fit him into a mold that didn't fit, fit into at all. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you should homogenize a line like this. Like if I had to, if every X-Men book was a heady Hickman story, I don't know if I would have read as many X-Men books as I, as I have, but I have different flavors been, now. Wouldn't it have been better to have like less books that are, you know, more aligned even just tonally that, you know, don't have a, a, a jarring drop every three issues yeah. because something happens, um, you know, and or even books that are connected but can do their own thing and react to things that happen in a real way, you know. So in Marauders, uh, you know, uh, Xavier dies. But Kate and the Marauders are out doing their thing. Oh shit! When were we, when were we going to find out about that? I think so, that yeah, that was beneficial. Like I, I've read I've read every X Men book that's come out um, since. Like you have gems like fucking Hellions, which is fantastic. It never addresses any of the stuff. The only stuff it addresses is that Krakoa exists. There's a Quiet Council. Have fun. Um, and, and I like that because it's like, hey, I have this giant sandbox of Krakoa that I just introduced. And yeah, there are some, you know, machinations going around um, that, you know, exist throughout Krakoa. Um, but just have fun in that world. Uh, you know, I think you keep bringing back Marauders, which I think is, is probably one of the ones that was hampered the most by the main X-Men line. But you have stuff like Excalibur which kind of tied into the tenant stores more than anything, but that's kind of been doing its own thing. Even outside of Krakoa, like Wolverine has been. That's not around true. With... That's not what? true. Excalibur Excalibur has not been doing its own thing. Excalibur is literally a perfect example of how this is supposed to work. Excalibur Excal has been in, 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 in the other world this entire time for no, the past years. But, the, but when the book started, it absolutely was not. Sure. And then Ten of Swords happened and then it kind of got into its own thing. But that's what I'm saying, though. So when the when the when the line first launched, every book had a clear directive as far as what it was supposed to be. The books that didn't live up to that is almost every single one. 
And that's the that's the problem that I'm that I'm addressing. Excalibur was doing crazy shit that directly impacted the future of the X-Men line. It felt like it mattered. If you read Marauders, tell me what happened in Marauders that mattered. Why would I buy it? If 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 it doesn't matter and it's not by Hickman and it feels inconsistent with what else is happening and it always gets stifled by an event why would i buy this, this i think i think the 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 difference between you and i is what what does matter mean like i'm not i'm not a stickler for stuff like that maybe that's just me that's like, fair. What, what, yeah, what matters I'm, is yeah. is what happens in the book itself you know whether or not it ties into you know, their overarching theme doesn't really matter to me because I want to read what happens in this book with these characters. I mean, maybe that's that's the the con, uh, the the difference between us. But but that, that's been the draw for something like Wolverine for me, where it does it exists outside of everything that's been going on of Krakoa. And I think Percy has a really good voice there and it exists as its own book when it needs to be. It jumps into the rest of the X-Men stuff, and that's pretty infrequently. Um, yeah. But I think those are, I think that's an example of a book doing it well, where to Tyler's point about Hellions, I haven't read it, but it sounds something very similar where you can exist outside of the world um, and still have an engaging book. But I think what, I think what, what hampered the line across the board was the fact that we all jumped into and the books that we ended up reading for something like X of Swords or a Ten of Swords led into with all these various books felt disjointed because they were interrupting other storylines. And uh, that feels like something that is very typical of superhero comics. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I think if, if this was a writer's room and you did have the, the writers that had the Hickman gravitas, you could cohesively connect those pieces a bit better and then, you know, pass off the book to let them do their own thing. I think there's a variation there where it works. Um, Cause I, if, if we're going to pick a writer that is currently in the mix, I feel like Benjamin Percy has the kind of gravity to write a, another kind of series in a similar, more not necessarily heady tone, but a serious tone that uh, could benefit from, as an, it can benefit as an extension of Hickman. If you had brought in Gillen a bit earlier, Ewing, and then you know pass off the the baton to these other creators, so that way they could tell their stories during this extended period. For me, it was the the lead up in the lead up after Ten of Swords um, that kind of burned a lot of these books for me because I was picking up at at least maybe four or five of the of the lines, um, and I dropped them after the mess that was tennis swords because they felt like we were jumping around. It felt like nobody really knew how we were leading into the next thing outside of where we're collecting the sword. And um, the execution there was uh, frankly messy. We had what that like three issues where we were just at, like, at a dinner or something like th there was just a lot there that I think could have been condensed had we had writers that um, matched Hickman's tone. Well, so again, like I really, I really want to steer this conversation away from like denigrating the writers necessarily. It's because 
like, okay, fine. Everyone cares about like various X-Men, right? There's a million X-Men and you want to be able to see them. And like, yeah, it's fine. Hellions can exist and do what it wants to do. And I'm sure it's funny and engaging and all that stuff. That's fine. But when you're talking about, especially I think with the first wave of books, and even if you look at Destiny of X, why do we need 11 X-Men comic books? We don't. It's too many. And it's inevitable that some of them are going to fall through the cracks. Some of them won't be good. Some of them aren't going to like um, justify themselves by living out their premise. This is a problem. And I'm not, I'm not even the only one saying this, like this is a consistent complaint that I've seen about this era of X-Men where it just feels disjointed for me, what I would have been happy with and what, what I would, what it would take for me to give this a, a successful grade is if, you called everything from the start and said there are only four or five books Mm. and Hickman is writing two of them. And the events are written by Hickman. If you had the line the way it is now, but the events were done by Hickman and that's it, I'd probably feel a lot better about it. Um, but when you are trading issues and one issue is written by this one and their style is completely different from Hickman's, it just feels weird. And that's why I'm giving it this grade on top of the fact that we know for a fact that so many of the things that Hickman wanted to do just didn't happen. I, I think his vision was a little too big, honestly, especially when he talks about all the, the four other series that he wanted to write. He got away with the other two times. Simultaneously, we haven't seen him do that. I I think that Hickman got his way on almost everything when it comes to House and Powers. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it became a super profitable thing, and he chose, I would imagine, to bring on all these different creators, tell all these different stories, to fill out the line, that's where it became a problem. And that is going to take us into the final aspect of this conversation, which is the backlash that has come out. It's, it's always kind of existed, but it's, it's more fervent now that uh, Hickman is over uh, with the X-Men, where people are upset that people are upset about Hickman leaving. And that we have sort of anointed Hickman as this, you know, our tour creator who can do no wrong and that everybody else is responsible for whatever's wrong with the line, ignoring the fact that it was always a collaborative effort from the word go post house and powers. I have a tweet actually that I want to read that kind of, um, encapsulates what i'm talking about uh this is actually from adam wreck arthur's at arthur stacy uh who is on the battle of the adam podcast from comics xf he said enough with the narrative that hickman was somehow diverted or stopped from telling his magnum opus with x-men from the jump it was a collaborative process that has shifted and changed with the group this was never a solo operation stop treating him like an auteur no one gets to walk in and play with this kind of IP inside a bubble. Everything gets checked and rechecked up a chain of command. And it's a line of books. It isn't one creator owned storyline or a single author doing a run for 50 issues. Treating Jonathan Hickman as the sole contributor to the Krakoan 
era discredits the dozens of artists and writers who worked to build this new world for readers. To act as though he was somehow sidelined when he was actively show running a writer's room is a bizarre take. Hmm. Yep, I feel like that's fair. Like I, I think um, the the fact that we like we on this podcast are are giving Hickman the credit, I think, comes more so from the fact that his books were and it was his vision. And so they were the most cohesive. But that's not to say that those other creators are lesser. And if anything, um, for for me, what's given me a bit more hope in the post Hickman era is going to be the fact that Gillen's introduced because I think he has similar stylings, but is able to take control of characters in his own way. And uh, I don't know who's going to be the the big brains guy and the big storytelling piece there, or if we're going to kind of just scatter into different books. But um, X Men Red again, another book that I'm looking forward to now post X Men post Hickman because of that very reason that there are capable creators outside of him uh, who are going to be able to to have been handed the baton and are going to be able to tell the stories that they want to in the ways that they want to, and all capable creators. So. Um, yeah, I don't think that uh, I feel like if there's any backlash against people being upset, it's just because they're seeing a creator that they like go away. Um, but we're still going to get comics. We're still going to get quality storytelling because there are still quality writers and artists on these books. I mean, comics fans being upset is just comics. And then comics fans being upset at other <laughs> comics fans for being upset at comics is also comics. Um, and like, I, I don't know, like if you don't think Hickman is going to pick up these themes in other books and you haven't been reading Hickman throughout his Marvel run, like even if he writes Spider-Man, one of these things will be picked on. Um, like his stuff in Secret Wars ties into his Avengers stuff, ties into his X-Men stuff. Like it's all been a part of it. Spider-Man? You mean that's that character who notoriously has a uh, a history with clones? Oh yeah. <laughs> and and then like even like his shield stuff or Secret Avengers like it has all tied into something. He's got some Pepe Sylvia board in his room next to his collection of satchels that he's been pulling <laughs> these threads and needles around all these books. You'll be okay, Hickman fans. Um I think in 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 my opinion like I think the fact that he was able to create this the new status quo is is a success in terms of the storytelling uh, is it a success in terms of the idea of a, a writer's room style um, form of uh, editorial for a particular line in a in major two books. I think that's up for a debate, um, especially since it doesn't look like we're going to be having a showrunner uh, going forward for the X-Men line unless, you know, Gillen kind of fills that role. But he's notoriously uh, plays things close to the chest. So I don't I don't know. Even if he is, we'll ever know it until after the fact. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think that was really a success in terms of it. I think I think the tweet you read, Sean, is is a valid take. I, I do. Um, and I certainly don't. You know want to you know disrespect the the other creators who who contributed to this new era um but hickman's hickman set the table that i was interested in he made the stuff that i wanted to read and nobody else was really able to follow up on that for whatever reason you know whether you know each creator had their own um you know pull 
and their own, you know, thing that made their book interesting to whatever degree. But like, I wouldn't be reading the X-Men if it weren't for the Hickman stuff. And now he's gone. How, you know, not that he should be celebrated as an auteur or whatever, but I'm bummed that he's leaving. I don't know. I think it's I think it's weird that we have to accept this delusion that we didn't all come here for Hickman. Like House and Powers sold like crazy. Yeah. X-Men sold like crazy. And Hickman wrote that. There is this none of this would be happening if it wasn't for Hickman. Nobody else had these ideas. Hickman didn't use there, there was no writer's room for House and Powers. Hmm. He explained how he had to go in and pitch the whole thing to every single person who worked him on. So why would we say that this, is a, this has been a collaborative process from the word go? That's literally not true. It's just not true. Hmm. It's, a, it's a fact. So I'm not going to, I can't accept that. I'm not going to accept something that's not a fact. It's a fact that Hickman created all of this. Now, after House and Powers, sure, they brought on tons of talented people and they contributed. But guess what? Where has the criticism come from? Two camps. One who doesn't like what Hickman started at all um, because they feel like the X-Men should be less of a serious story, uh, less like politically driven, you know, whatever the case may be. They just, they're, they're not into it from <laughs> the word. Less politically driven. <laughs> Believe me, I don't get it. Yeah. But then the other side of that are people who say, I like everything that Hickman does. I don't want to read anything else. We have that in our discord. There are a lot of people that feel like that. I myself love the X-Men. I am such a huge fan of the X-Men. I was buying literally every single book they put out from this line. I stopped because I couldn't do it anymore. I didn't like it. I don't have to like it. And that's the thing. It feels as though if you don't like it, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. I like what Jonathan Hickman did. That's it. And I like what... I want to buy Jonathan Hickman books. I like what Benjamin Percy did. Yeah. I like what, uh, what uh, Tini Howard did. That's it. it. End of story. And I can credit those people and not talk about the stuff that I thought wasn't very good. Can I ask a question? When, when did you fall off on stuff? Was it 10 of swords? I think 10 of swords was probably the big breaking the point for me. Yeah. yeah. Cause that's when I stopped reading a lot of this stuff. Um, because I couldn't get through those issues where they were just walking around finding swords. It was dumb as hell. And to me, the fact that we're even talking about something like that tells me that something was wrong. Something went wrong. And I would much rather have read Jonathan Hickman's X-Men done in the exact same style of his Avengers from Avengers to secret wars. That's what I would have preferred. And if people have a problem with that, then you have a problem with my opinion. That's different than yours. You need to get a grip. Everybody's entitled to feel how they feel. Yeah. I think, I mean, that Avengers stuff was just a much smaller line. I don't even think you can even really consider it a line at that point. It was Hickman's Avengers story. So like trying to take that 
and then make it, I guess, bigger in a way with the line. It doesn't seem like it was successful. So, okay, and this is my last, this is the last major point I'm going to make. I feel like democracy clearly just doesn't work. We, we just learned that. Um, but if you said to me, hey, everything Jonathan Hickman writes is like the main track, right? And the events will be written by him and all of that stuff. And everybody else gets to tell the stories that they feel like telling within the sandbox that Hickman created. But don't really expect these books to be like seismic in any way and pick and choose based on the characters you like and the creators you enjoy. But Hickman is the uh, main guy. Right. I'm cool with that. Like how uh, in Batman, Scott Snyder was the showrunner equivalent and Every event was a Snyder event, but everybody else got to do cool things and their books could tie in. That's what I would have preferred over this. I think this was a failure because there's too many cooks in the kitchen. And I don't think that works. I don't. If you have a showrunner, that's the person. And that's not exactly what happened here. And whenever it was that, it didn't work for the other books. I think it was almost too collaborative. Mm. So you have like an issue with, I guess, broken marketing promises in a way. Big time. That's that's one of my biggest complaints. I say it all the time. These books didn't justify themselves by delivering on what they said they were going to be. Okay. Sean, you're just mad that Hickman's leaving. Your opinion is invalid. I don't give a shit. You're wrong. I am mad that he's leaving for sure. No doubt about it. I'm I'm, I'm upset. It sucks. Hickman is in my top five easily. Top three, maybe. During the break, why don't you do? Uh, why don't you talk about what you're talking about during the break and how all these uh, diverse voices that were writing in the other excellent books? You were like, "No, man, I, I want just this white dude, Hickman." Dude, I have plot armor for that one, bro. <laughs> uh, anyone, anyone else want to have a last thought before we close the show out? I am interested to see where it goes. Yeah, like yeah. I think I, I wonder, like you said, like once this is quote unquote done, if it ever really is done, um, where it lands and if our opinions change on it. I, I wonder if, you know, the next era will sort of be, you know, the getting the X-Men and the editorial and the writers to the point, you know, where they sort of need either the jump or the reset. And maybe we do see Hickman again. You know, maybe we do get the next part. Yeah, I, it might that might be a while and that might be a pipe dream might be on like a weird dark hawk book when there's a dark hawk movie announced or something yeah. like that like <laughs> i think hickman has a contract that has an end point that's not that far away mm. and i think that he probably doesn't want to continue to do uh big two books after that i know there was a lot of talk about him going to dc in 2018 i think that bendis was gunning for it from what i remember but hickman said i quoted him earlier saying he was not going to dc um and so i think he'll probably just go back to what he was doing before which was hollywood stuff and independent comics substack yada 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 and so for him i think this will probably just end up being a thing that was really cool that he got to do, but they didn't get to fully live out. It sounds like it's, it was a dream of his to write the X-Men. And I'm bummed because at the end of the day, I will always, 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 always want to see what a creator had to say. Always. Mm. 
nothing will ever convince me that that's not right. So even in the case of Zack Snyder, right, where the Justice League movie was trash, Batman vs. Superman is mid, and Man of Steel is mid, I still wanted to see what he would have done with Justice League because he didn't get to tell his story. And to me, that's the only thing that matters. And so because Hickman didn't get to tell his story, I will always be disappointed. This will be one of the biggest disappointments ever in comics for me personally. And I'm very bummed, but I'm not. It's not all bad. I'm hopeful for the future. You guys said it already. Great, talented people still there have always been there. And I can't wait to see what they have to do. But they have a lot less rope. Another one for the Hicksville Library. (laughs) I want want to see more of these comic book shoot interviews that Hickman had like with other Word. creators like <laughs> like I want to see what Brubaker has to say about his run in, in, in the big two yeah like yeah man Sean you would be the biggest manga fan no I don't think <laughs> I would Altar singular visions I think I think know, I would be, I think I would be if if uh you know creators uh, American comics creators could make superhero comics in that vein sure which by the way can we acknowledge, like, it's not true that that doesn't happen in comics. It definitely does. Like, in what comics, was Immortal sure. Hulk? In, in, in Big in, Two? In Big Two comics. What was Immortal Hulk? What is Daredevil every time it gets written? You I know, mean, like, but it's also one book. So, like, yeah, I think. But the person said that that doesn't happen in comics, and that's not true. That's, that's just not okay. a fact. But... This is obviously a big topic. Let us know your thoughts about it. We love have loved talking about the X-Men from the announcement of Hickman joining until now. And we will continue to do that. This is almost borderline an X-Men podcast. So um, this share, episode was. <laughs> share your thoughts with us. And we've done quite a few like this. Yeah. Uh, share your thoughts with us about everything we talked about in the main topic. Even if you disagree with me, you agree with Tyler, agree with, you know, we all had sort of small differences in our thoughts um and talk about us talk to us about anything we talked about today if you watched live how'd you feel about the live show if you did it do you wish you had will you tune in um obviously we do the show very early it's it, we started at 10 a.m um so that might be a little early for you guys but oh, six. hey if you can make it we'd That's love to six, have you <laughs> um thank you so much for listening make sure you guys tune into pals polls every wednesday at 6 p.m where we are reviewing that week's comics and taking your questions you know doing fun stuff we've got comics tag marco has to read uh issues uh three and four or two and three whatever yeah, it is of joe for three and four of joker and then he's going to tag one of us with his book that he wants us to read i bet you it's swamp thing Big yeah. shock. You guys are going uh, to get it. Don't worry. You'll see what uh, it is. I'm excited. Us there. Also, Saga Book Club at the end of the month. Send in your questions for us for the Saga Book Club at thecomicspals at gmail.com, on YouTube at youtube.com slash thecomicspals, or wherever else you can get us. Join our Discord for that as well. Make sure you subscribe to our channel over on YouTube for free so that you can be made aware of when we drop new content. Hit the notification bell for that too. Let's get into the plugs, our plugs. Kale. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me at Toto in Toe on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can find my work at kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. All right, Marco. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram 
at Mr. Marco Animoto, usually talking about anime and manga and uh, whatever Swamp Thing related comic I'm reading. Tyler. Uh, you can follow me uh, at the Tyler Olson on Instagram and Twitter, um, where I can talk about every man thing comic ever created. Yeah, hold on, I, got, I have a man thing. Hold on, where is where? Oh. And Howard the Duck. He's a notorious Howard the Duck fan. What does Tyler oh, yeah, I have not this, have? I have this man thing action figure. How cool is that? That's Isn't that neat? That's sick, an actually. elephant. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's an elephant? No, it's a man thing. That's an elephant. <laughs> I don't know what you guys have in, have in, in, in England town, but uh, that's not what elephants England look like. Town. Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. I am still thinking about The Matrix, guys. I love that movie. It was brilliant. I fell um, asleep. You're bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a bad person. And <laughs> also, I'm thinking about X-Men, Jonathan Hickman. I gotta pick up the Infernal Horror cover. Can't wait for that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read the whole thing again, man. I, I can't wait. Uh, maybe we'll do content around the totality of it uh, whenever that's all said and done. With that, we are the Comics Pal signing off. We will see you next week. Take care, guys. See you next week.